Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, there's a form that is down in the description of this stream right now where you can go ahead and get your question in there. And uh, if you get it in there right now, I can get it answered on the stream today. Now, as we get into the stream, um, I do want to let you know the people that are here know and the people that are watching on the replay know um, that if you are watching this on the replay, that we put timestamps down in the description. So during the stream, I just answer questions as they come in. So I have no idea the questions that I'm going to be answering, but they're all YouTube focused. So because of that, um, what we do is as this stream is going along is we are collecting the timestamps for all the different questions that you know we uh, answer. And we put those in the description so that you can skip around and find what it is that matters the most to you or the answers to the questions that you might have. So you can see that along the bottom of the of the player right now, or you can go down to the video description for it. Now, with that out of the way, um, I do want to let you know that today's stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you optimize your videos for discovery. TubeBuddy will help you test your thumbnails to make sure the thumbnails that you're making are effective for the people that you're trying to reach. TubeBuddy has 90 different tools that can help you with your channel. Another one of those is a keyword explorer so you can gauge the interest of the topics that you're going to be making your videos about. Um, they have bulk update tools, all kinds of amazing things, even AI tools where they are looking at your shorts and they're helping you identify the specific parts in your short or in your long form videos that would convert well into shorts based on how people have responded to them. A fantastic tool you can try it for yourself at tubebuddy.com slash Nimmin. And this stream is co brought to you by StreamYard, which is the streaming platform that I use to live stream this every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. And the reason that I use StreamYard is because it's easy. They do all the heavy lifting for me in the cloud, which means right now this stream is pushing up from my computer through the internet to StreamYard servers. And then it's going out to YouTube and anywhere else because they allow multicasting that you would choose to go to. So the advantage of that is let's say my internet goes down or I have some type of technical problem. One of the things that is fantastic about this is it holds everything open for me so I can just come back in. So if the internet goes down, then I don't lose all you guys that are hanging out during the stream right now. Instead, I can just come back in and then I can you know pick everything up from there, which is fantastic. But um, StreamYard also makes it easy to bring guests on. They make it easy to add graphics to the screen. Um, you can also pin comments. I'm just gonna go ahead and just pick a random one right here to uh, pin as well. We got Jerry Popandry in the house. What's up, Jerry? Hope you're doing fantastic, says the yard. But you can see right here, I can just pin comments to the screen and all kinds of really cool features like that. Um, but if you're a live streamer, give it a shot at StreamYard.com. And then of course, there's a link right there on the screen um, if you want to you know, give me some credit when you do that or go down to the video description. With all that out of the way, oh, and hey, I finally got a StreamYard duck. I've been wanting one of these forever. Um, so basically, this is their, uh, you know, just like a, their little stuffed animal version. I've seen everybody, you know, having these in the in the StreamYard squad. I've seen everybody having these, uh, you know, in the, uh, you know, just post them online and stuff, and I never had one. So as soon as I got the opportunity, I actually snuck over to a table and, and, and kind of took this one. With permission, though. I did get permission. I didn't steal it. I got permission. But, uh, but yeah, super excited for that. So today, um, as we get into this, because, you know, like I mentioned before, that we are sponsored by TubeBuddy. They actually sent me a care package. So we're going to open this care package up here in a minute as well. But I do want to let you know, 
Um, for those of you that are just joining us today, we are talking about everything related to YouTube. So if you have a question about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description right now where you can put your question. And if you get it down there right now, because we don't have a ton of responses, um, then I will get your question answered on the stream today. Um, I also want to let you know for everybody that is just joining us, um, my brother D and Daniel Batal are doing a live stream on the StreamYard channel here a little bit later in a few hours um, where they are going to be doing channel reviews as well. So if you want somebody to give you some feedback on different aspects of your channel, you definitely want to make sure that you're participating in that stream and you can just learn a ton by hanging out in that stream as well. But once this stream it comes to an end, it's going to automatically default you over to their stream if you do, you know, end up hanging out here um, the, uh, you know, the whole, the, the whole time. So, all right. Super, uh, super exciting. So basically, um, for this unboxing thing, I'm going to do that here a little bit later. Not going to do it now. I'm guessing it's just like merch, maybe like a, you know, coffee mug or something like that. Um, but I am, uh, you know, going to do that here a little bit later, but first let's go ahead and get into some questions and, um, answer, you know, your YouTube questions. That's what we're uh, here for. And by the way, if you are on TikTok, I'm live streaming over to TikTok right now as well, just a different angle, kind of the same idea, but, um, the whole thing over there is one, the reason I'm telling you this is because if you're not following me on TikTok and you are following me on YouTube, make sure that you head over to TikTok so that we can connect over there as well. Because over there, I upload just some like random, you know, different stuff. Um, also, it's not just the same exact stuff that I upload to YouTube, even though there is some crossover. I also show more behind the scenes stuff and more just kind of general things um, over there as well. So just make sure that you do, uh, you know, check that out when you uh, when you get the chance. All right, let's uh, let's get into the questions. So the very first question that we have here is from Online Property Explorer. Online Property Explorer does daily content. They've been on YouTube for one year or more. Hey, really quick, Dark Bites, what's going on? Hope that you're doing fantastic. Welcome to the stream today. Good morning. I hope that you are doing great. Nice to uh, nice to see you here today. Um, let's see here. iCast Enterprises says, love the StreamYard reviews with Daniel and D. Me too. Um, they're awesome over there. Um, Chantel, hope that you are doing great. Nice to see you here today. Creator Classroom, nice to see you here as well. iFund Chris, hope that you're doing great, man. Um, it's awesome. Again, you know, one more time. I mentioned this last Saturday too, but it was great to meet you at uh, Vid Summit. Uh, Midnight Madness 4x4. What's going on, dude? Hope that you are doing great. Doug Houston in the house. What's up, my man? Hope that you are doing awesome as well. So super excited to um, get into the content, so let's go. Okay, so Online Property Explorer is our first question. They do daily content. Um, the type of channel is just looking at property listings online, and the goal of the channel is to make a living online to become a digital nomad, and the question is, I'm finally at 4,000 hours of watch time. In the last few weeks, I've been watching my own videos for four hours a day to reach the 4,000 uh, goal. Will YouTube notice this, and might I get a slap when it comes to monetization, or is this okay? Maybe I just really like it watching my own videos. So it's perfectly fine to watch your own videos on YouTube, but what you do not want to do is you do not want to watch your videos with ads on them and uh, you do not want to click on ads on your own videos if you do that's where you can end up getting hit with the invalid uh, the invalid traffic thing and uh, that's definitely a negative but in terms of watching your own videos that's perfectly cool no no sweat no worries nothing to worry about there but hey what's up people this your boy Viper the man about Viper, man about tech in the house. What's up, dude? Hope that you are doing fantastic. Awesome uh, hanging out with you last week as well. 
I mean, I guess it's been longer than a week now, you know, because I've been, I um, I stayed the extra days. I stayed like four extra days in uh, L.A. Um, before I came back to Thailand. And, uh, uh, you know, and then now that I've been back for a few days, I'm dealing with like jet lag and all that stuff. So I guess it's been like a whole other week. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah. But anyway, it, it was awesome to uh, awesome to uh, hang out with you, man. Uh, and really quick, we got a super chat. super chat from Dark Bite says, thanks for everything you do, Nick. Um, is there a way to know if my videos are being downloaded and how do downloads affect view count and such? So when it comes to um, downloads, when people download inside of the app itself, it's pretty much to where it just downloads for offline viewing. It doesn't like actually download to their device itself. Um, and when that particular thing happens, like all that you are going to be seeing on your end is just like, you know, a view from that person that watched that content. So, um, so it's nothing that is, you know, like crazy, nothing you need to like watch out for anything like that. Um, and there's not that I'm aware of, there's not a metric that shows how many actual downloads you get, because that's more of like a convenience thing than it is something that is like really important to track. Right. So a lot of times things like that will happen for like, let's say me. Right. So before, um, I took my trip over to the States because it's a long, you know, I have like 18 hours of, of travel time. So, um, because of that, you know, I'll download stuff off of Netflix. I'll download, you know, some YouTube, uh, you know, videos for offline viewing as well. And the whole idea is so that I don't need to be connected to the internet, but I can still watch it. So in some countries, um, that will kind of be like their viewing habit. So if they're on Wi-Fi, they'll download a bunch of stuff so they don't have to eat up their mobile data and, you know, that kind of stuff um, as well. Just a little interesting additional tidbit there. But uh, but yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully that answers your question. And um, iPhone Chris, thank you for your support there for uh, for one full year. Thank you so much. Tube Spanner in the house. Danielle, hope that you are doing awesome. Says, if you decide to start your own uh, streaming service, would you call it Nick Talk? <laughs> nice. Ooh, I would actually call it Nick Tube, probably. I think that would be a little bit more on brand. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. So as we keep on going. Okay. So next up on our list here. We're on question number two already, so we're so we're so we're starting to move along. So uh, let's see, we've got Ernesto Esparza. What's going on, man? Hope you are doing great. Um, the type of channel is gaming and entertainment. The goal of the channel is to reach 100 subscribers, and the question is, how do I promote my videos? So when it comes to promoting your YouTube videos, the best thing that you can do is learn from how people are interacting with your content currently that you're publishing and then modify things from there. So, you know, one of the one of the big hurdles that people have as a content creator is when they first get started, they see all of these other channels being presented to them. And even though, you know, YouTube recommends, you know, everybody when you publish videos, the content that quickly rises to the top and gets more recommendations is the content that is more competitive for the platform in terms of keeping people, you know, satisfied with the content. So when it comes to keeping people, people satisfied with the content, some people can do that innately. So when they first start making videos, they kind of get it, right? Maybe they grew up on YouTube or maybe they just are just a little bit more aware of those types of things. And because of that, they can put together a nice solid video that people will uh, respond, that people will respond to in a positive way. However, um, most content creators, when they get started, you know, they have to go through a lot of, you know, hurdles in terms of learning how to do a bunch of things in order to get their content up to a competitive level for the platform um, so that it also rises to the top, so to speak. And you can count on, you know, getting at least a certain amount of views for every video that you publish. So um, so in that particular case, one of the things that you want to um, make sure that you're thinking about when it comes to promoting your videos is there's nothing more powerful in terms of the promotion of your video 
videos than YouTube recommending your videos to people, right? Yes, you can promote them offline. You can promote them, or not offline, but offsite. You can promote them on Reddit. You can, you know, upload your videos to, to Pinterest. Um, you can upload, you know, um, actually that would be uploading to Pinterest, which you can do, um, but you would need to like search optimize that. People can find it directly off of Pinterest and come through that way. Um, but you can also kind of use that as a way to also, you know, get some search traffic as well. Because then if you have your video there, your Pinterest post is search optimized, it can also show up in like Google, for example. And then you can have your video show up in Google. If you have like a blog or website, then you can have that show up in Google. So that particular one is just a way to kind of get it in front of more um, people if it's like search-based content. But in terms of promotion, when it comes to growing your following, um, you know, online on any of these platforms, the best thing that you can do is just publish a video. Once that video is up, go look at your data, look at your audience retention reports, look at your click through rate, go and see, you know, like what are people viewing this on to make sure that you're formatting everything correctly and so on and see the response that people had and then take notes on that particular video and just look for things. Um, you know, was there anything that I did that caused people to leave? Was there anything that I was doing in this video that was interruptive to the viewer experience or maybe prevented somebody from clicking on the next video because I had this big block of time to where I'm just sitting there saying a bunch of additional stuff, right? Um, so, um, so using the data that you get back from YouTube to over time make better videos is the best thing that you can do. Um, of course, you know, if your content is something that's, you know, like trending or something like that, then you can post it on Reddit and those sorts of things. But what you want to make sure that you're thinking about if you're a content creator that wants to do this like seriously for a long period of time, then you need to think about um, like longevity. And, you know, you can promote something on Reddit and that's cool and you might get a lot of views from that. But at the end of the day, like, are you going to be able to count on that for every video that you publish, right? That's why it's so important to make sure that you learn how to get people to not, not how to get people to respond, but you, that you, that you learn what's involved with creating content that is, um, you know, that, that, that people enjoy. Right. Um, and the, the better you get at that, the better your channel is going to do, the better your videos are going to do. And of course, there's other things, too, like, um, you know, topic selection is a big deal. So when it comes to the topics, you know, for your videos, making sure that you're thinking about, OK, um, you know, yes, I'm, you know, niche down, which is, you know, what you should do. But within my niche, is there a way to go more broad with the topics that I'm talking about? So, you know, for example, um, you know, if you are one of the examples that I give for this is like, you know, if you're talking about an iPhone, um, this isn't the example that I give, but I'll just use that because I'm looking at it right now. But if you're talking about like an iPhone, then in that particular case, you know, if you are trying to be super narrow with that, then the thing might be like a, you know, iPhone review or something, something along those lines. And the iPhone is going to be a horrible example for this, but because everybody knows what an iPhone is. But if, uh, you know, if the video itself is like, hey, this phone changed the way that I do X, Y, Z, then in that particular case, um, you know, it opens up the video to a broader amount of people that are interested in what X, Y, Z is. So like this, this, you know, phone helped me be more productive or this phone helped me make better content or whatever the thing is. The qualifier isn't that they need to know what that product is. The qualifier is that they need to be somebody that's interested in that topic of productivity or creating content or something like that. So the idea is to, when you're publishing videos, to make sure that you are thinking broad and thinking like, yeah, I'm niche down, but how can I reach as many people as possible within this niche? And then how can I deliver content to them or create an experience for them through my content um, that's going to add value to them in some way and also keep them interested in watching and what it is that I'm doing and topically um, you know, how am I going to grab their attention with the topic itself? How am I going to grab their attention with the thumbnail? 
because you need to be able to capture their focus when they're sitting there on their mobile phone and they're just scrolling. You know, you need to be able to capture their attention. Or if they're on a on a computer and you know the screen loads up and you have this big grid of videos right there. Like, you know, what about yours and your thumbnail? Because that's the thing that everybody sees at a glance, right? What about your thumbnail is going to help people identify that your video is about something that they might care about, right? That's why it's so important to make sure that you're focusing on the imagery that helps people identify, you know, what it is that that you're doing. Um, and then from there, your title, you know, can be informative or it can be informative and compelling, um, and with, you know, both of those, the compelling side is where you kind of kick it in a little bit to where it goes from, hey, this is just a video about this thing to, oh, I need to see this video, right? Um, but those are just things that you learn over time. But in a nutshell, when it comes to, you know, promoting your videos, the best thing you can do for yourself, especially for like long term on your channel, the best thing you can do is to uh, uh, is to just learn, you know, how to make better content that people respond to better. And when you do that, they are going to, uh, YouTube is going to do all the heavy, heavy lifting for you in terms of promotion. Um, let's see here as we keep on going, we've got, okay, we're going to hop into question number three now. And if you are joining us on TikTok, what's going on? Hope that you are doing fantastic. Um, we are live over on YouTube as well, but I see, you know, a lot of Thai people in here. So solid cop Tukon. Hope everybody is doing uh, fantastic here. Nice to see you. Um, but the next question that we have is from Us Plus Dad. Hope you're doing great. It was nice meeting you at Vid Summit. They do Roblox family role play. The goal of the channel is to create interactive a, an interactive Roblox community. Hey, really quick shout out to Roger Wakefield. He's in my water cup today. So I got StreamYard and my coffee cup. Because remember, I'm, I'm trying to get through jet lag here. So I've got StreamYard in my coffee cup, got Roger Wakefield or water in my Roger Wakefield cup. <laughs> oh. But they do uh, Rod, uh, Roblox family role play. The goal of the channel is to create interactive an interactive Roblox community. Question is, before VidSummit, um, we were undecided on channel membership. Staying off platform versus staying on YouTube came up a lot in conversation. Majority of YouTubers seem to be in favor of off-platform. We were too, but the more we talked about it, discussed our audience being younger um, and simplicity of memberships being on YouTube, feels like 30% YouTube fee would be offset by the amount of members joining um, on YouTube versus if we did off-platform. What are your thoughts? Um, was amazing to meet you and everyone else at VidSummit. We hit 100,000 subs um, the day after VidSummit. High five and fist bump to you. And a matter, as a matter of fact, across a major milestone. I want you to put your hands together for him. I got a little something I want to say. If it's 100, 1,000, 100,000, 1 million, I get the feeling you're elated because you've been waiting and counting down all the hope that's coming through. It's to hit it, and now you found it. High five and fist bump to you. What you've done is astounding, so be proud of it. Get loud and shout a bit. Dance around like you're out of it. Just feel the sounds of this playing, banging, and bounce around at this. And celebration with you, a standing ovation is what you do. You've done something awesome, so I want to give to you a high five. Listening to this, 
I know that you've also done something awesome. I know you've crossed a milestone. You're right here doing your thing. I want you to know that everybody's clapping. So, uh, so yes, congratulations to you for uh, crossing 100,000. It's fantastic. Um, it says play button is ordered, and as long as uh, you don't get our mail, we should see it in three weeks. Ah, <laughs> oh, I can't escape that. Oh, I can't escape it. Yeah, love it. So, uh, so yeah, congratulations to you on the um, uh, 100,000, uh, you know, subscribers on the uh, channel. In terms of memberships, so um, this is... Uh, you, I, I'm with you in terms of I'm not a huge fan of putting all of your eggs in, in one basket. However, it is easy, right? So especially if you're doing like live streams and stuff, I don't know if you guys are doing, you know, because you're doing interactive. So I'm guessing you guys are doing some live streams and things like that. It makes it really easy for people to uh, to join, you know, when they're on YouTube, they can just hit a couple buttons and then bam, they're in. So the ease of that is definitely an advantage. The downside is like if you end up messing up, if you make a mistake somewhere, you break a rule that you didn't know, you know, that was supposed to be there. Fortunately, YouTube has their education center now where, you know, they're, uh, you know, helping with some of that a little bit. But, um, uh, but you know, it is risky, you know, putting all of your eggs in uh, in that particular basket. So one thing that I that I would recommend um, at the very least is if you are going to accept channel memberships on YouTube, um, at least try to have it as part of the thing. Like, hey, if you're a member, also and and have this in a members only community post um, that you can post on a regular basis, or you can just like you know just post it, you know, before you do streams or something like that. But basically like, Hey, if you just joined as a member, um, you know, we have this, you know, email newsletter that we put out that keeps you up to date when we upload new videos, you know, things like that. And by doing that, then you are at the very least, you are bringing, you're giving yourself the opportunity to be in touch with those people. Um, in the event that, you know, uh, that you, you know, have an issue, uh, you know, so to speak with your channel. So then you don't end up losing everything, you know, if you run into, uh, if you run into a problem, Roger Wakefield in the house, what's up, Roger. Hope that you're doing fantastic. You're in my water glass today. I've got, uh, I've got Streamyard my, in my coffee mug and I've got Roger Wakefield in my, uh, in my, or water. I don't, I don't, I don't have Roger in a, in a mug. I've got, <laughs> I've got water in my Roger mug. <laughs> Uh, so good. Hope you're doing uh, awesome, Roger. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to that, you know, I would definitely just try to think of something you can do. Like, for example, for, you know, for mine, you know, we've got the Facebook group. So, you know, when people join that membership, then, you know, we have the Facebook group where, you know, where we have a cool community over there. Um, I'll pop in, answer questions, things like that. Um, and, you know, we have, uh, you know, Doug over there who's also, you know, very helpful um, in that, you know, in that group as well, just answering questions and all of that stuff, helping people out. Um, and that's also kind of like a fallback. So if I end up in that situation too, then there's, you know, those people where I can be like, hey, you know, um, this happened or, you know, whatever to, to keep everything rolling. Dude, it was great seeing you in Dallas uh, as well, Roger. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, and happy birthday again. Next up on our list, we've got a girl on her passport. What is going on? Hope that you are doing great. 
And uh, let's see, you're just going to do a quick uh, check in here on TikTok. We got Christina Smallhorn over there on TikTok. What's going on, Christina? I hope you're doing great. <laughs> I would bring you in, Christina, but I'm actually I'm streaming over here on YouTube right now. So uh, so I'm so this is kind of like a secondary thing right now, not conversational, but we can definitely do that at another time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's see, your girl on a passport does travel content. The goal is to inspire people to travel. And the question is, due to a health issue, I haven't been able to upload. I have one video recorded from before, but not edited. However, I'm not sure what my uploading will look like if I can film. What strategy do you suggest to return if I can't get back to weekly uploads? So when you take long breaks, just keep in mind that depending on how... Neil, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing awesome. Keep in mind that... Uh, Ernie, Shark Scrapper, what's going on, dude? Hope you're doing great. Brad, Magic Flying Potato, hope you're doing awesome as well. But basically, um, when you are um, taking a long break, right, for health issues or whatever the thing is, if your channel has a lot of activity happening on it, then it's not that big of a deal. Um, but if you if your stats are always like this based on, you know, when you're publishing content, um, then in that particular case, you can run into a situation where there's not a lot of activity happening on your channel. And since there's not a lot of activity happening on your channel, then, you know, in terms of recency of you, you know, being in people's watch histories and so on, um, you know, it's just not there. So because of that, you know, that can, you know, be a disadvantage of sorts. But one good video and you're right back on track, right? So that's the good thing. Um, so what I would do is take care of yourself, get your health, you know, stuff taken care of. Keep in mind that you can, because you've got a ton of travel footage, right, from all the content you've made. So one thing that you can do is you can do compilations. You can do like, you know, your 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 best ofs, or you can do, you know, your your favorite things of, you know, uh, you know, e you know, each place that you've, you know, been or each thing that you show people or, you know, any way that you can mix up, uh, you know, take content that you've already made, um, that you've already recorded, and kind of remix it into a different experience. You can absolutely do that as well to keep publishing. As long as you can create a good experience with it, um, you can absolutely do that. And you say it's been several weeks. So several weeks isn't like that big of a deal, but I would definitely try to do, you know, something um, if you can relatively soon. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I would recommend there is to just try to, you know, make some type of mix up or, you know, remix or something like that of the videos that you currently have. Other things is um, you can also also, of course, go after, you know, just some shorts, taking some shorts out of, you know, the content that you have. Um, I'm not sure if you've, you know, seen, uh, since you just haven't, you know, been on for a while, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, my my AI video where I talk about Opus Clip. I've got an entire video coming out about them. Um, but like with them, for example, you can take one of your videos, drop it in there, and it'll give you, if it's like a 10-minute video, it'll give you like 10 shorts. Um, and then you can go in and kind of fine-tune them and make them, uh, you know, start or end at different places. And then you can take those and, you know, upload them on the short shelf so you can at least you know have something you know going out and keep some type of activity going on but um but in your case specifically though i would try to um you know do like a remix or something like that or try to get that video out if you uh if you you know if you can doug i got the message thank you man appreciate it and uh, monique says that uh that that she is loving opus clip yeah me too it's great so i i queued everything up before i went to vid summit um and i was doing daily uh daily shorts on my nimmin live channel um and then since i've been back they haven't went out um so i have to make a whole new batch uh here um, on monday or tuesday okay 
So uh, let's hear. So we had some super chats come in. I'm going to go ahead and answer these here uh, really quick um, as well, and then we'll hop back into the form. So Neil, super Urban Van Life says, uh, come back from Vid Summit with a rocket up my exhaust. Yeah, man, me too. Like super motivated, super inspired, super like, like I've got like a whole new game plan that I put together um, for all your New York City right now. Nice, Christina. Um, yeah, me too. Um, that, that's one of the, that's one of the awesome things about Vid Summit is in addition to like what you learn, in addition to, you know, the new people that you get to meet and all that, it's also just super inspiring and motivating and all that. Like I always, it's kind of like my new year's. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Vid Summit now, you know, kind of like re, you know, re, uh, you know, review what it is that I'm, uh, you know, currently doing and, uh, you know, see, uh, you know, how I can change things and make things better. But anyway, says, um, did the channel banner and icon and I'm mega happy with that. Also amazing talk this year, Nick. Well done. Thanks dude. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, same way, man. Just, uh, super, super fired up. Um, her super square dating chat. pool. Thank you for the super chat says I started a channel with serious stuff midway. Um, I changed to comedy. Can I make another channel with the serious stuff just to change the, uh, just change the videos a bit. Absolutely. So if, if you are making a comedy channel and you are doing the serious stuff channel, um, I would just take the serious stuff off the comedy channel as long as you're like, you know, as long as you're cool with that, I would just take it off of that channel and then have your comedy channels, the comedy channel, and then have your, or start the comedy channels, the other one, your call. And then, um, and then just upload those videos to whatever the other channel is, um, that you are starting. But just completely remove them. Don't don't private them. Don't unlist them. Like like whatever content you're going to take off and re-upload somewhere else, completely remove it um, from that channel, and then and then just upload it to the uh, other one. Um, home wrap repair. Thank you for super chat. Says um did my first live stream ever. Viewers move from zero to five to three. Is this normal? Want to do the weekly home improvement topics at the same time every week? Absolutely. So when it comes to live streams, um, you know, um, it, you know, it's going to come down to, um, you know, the things that you're talking about specifically, it's going to come down to how you're packaging it up. Just like, uh, you know, just like your regular video content. Um, and it's going to come down to people knowing that you're consist that you're consistently doing it. So for example, you know, people can pretty much count on, unless I'm traveling, people can uh, pretty much count on, uh, you know, this live stream happening at 9 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays, right? So because of that, for the people that, you know, want to come in and learn or want to hang out or want to just, you know, just chat with the community, right? Then in that particular case, they know that they can show up here. Um, they can listen to it in the background. They can listen to it while they're, you know, jogging. They can listen to it while they're, you know, getting, you know, stuff ready in the morning, whatever. And they know that they can just count on this. And because of that, and because of my consistency in doing this, it's it's created like a destination of, of sorts to where if people, you know, have that time on a Saturday that they want to dedicate to it, then they can come in and uh, and, and they know that I'll they know I'll be here. So um, so when you are first getting started um, in terms of, you know, the fluctuations that's going to happen, like if if you look at my view count right now, we're actually coming in low. And um, part of that, I think, is probably just because I, you know, didn't like really like stream for a while. But um, but like with the view counts here, you're going to notice we'll jump up 10, we'll, we'll drop down 10, jump up 20, drop down 20, like it's all over the place. So so that particular thing is normal. When it comes to live streaming, they can be very transient in terms of, you know, people just coming in. Hey, I wonder what this is about. And then they click on it, come in, and then they end up end up leaving. But um, but you'll grow you'll grow a community over time. Okay, so let's go back to our uh, thing. So Tiffany asks, uh, let's see here, did they announce where it's going to be? It's going to be in Dallas uh, next year as uh, as well. Um, great, 
venue. Like it was absolutely fantastic. So, uh, um, one thing that, that really just a quick side note, um, and then we'll get back into the questions. But one thing that was really cool this year was normally because, you know, like I just pop in once a year, right? So from here, when I go there, cause it's so nice here in Thailand that when I go there, I spend, you know, the time with my mom and then I go back and the rest of the time is in LA. Well, if you spend any time in LA, you know, that at least those main areas around the airport and, you know, that kind of stuff, like it's not, you know, the, the best areas, it's not the cleanest areas and stuff like that. Like it's all safe and things like that, like at the actual hotels, but just not, you know, it's just not the best vibe, so to speak. Um, but when it comes to the experience in Dallas, totally different. Dallas is super clean. The weather was great. Um, when you walk outside, like you weren't like you, like I didn't have one time, which I did have many times in LA. I didn't have one time where I walked out and I felt like threatened in any way, um, to where, you know, like I had anybody coming up to me, like, you know, like, you know, anything weird, you know, none of that, you know, was going on, which, which was pretty refreshing. Um, in addition to that, in LA, um, like the restaurants and things like that, you had to kind of go out, right. Or you had to do it at the hotel. And, um, here in Dallas, it was cool because, you know, as soon as you walk out, you had the hotels that also had their restaurants, but then they had this like strip behind the, uh, behind the, the main hotel. And that strip had a bunch of additional restaurants on it too. So it was really cool. Um, in terms of just like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, good, food options, everything clean and nice. And yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice. Oh, you got kicked out of, Jerry got kicked out of a pizza place for filming. That's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That might be the place that I went and had uh pizza, uh, as well. Um, really good pizza. Okay. So, uh, let's hear next up we've got, let's get back into the, uh, questions here. Easy for me to get sidetracked today. So uh, we got trying to learn bikes. What's going on? Hope you're doing great. Says they do DIY motorcycle maintenance. And um, let's see here. The goal of the channel is to craft videos good enough that even people with no interest in motorcycles would want to watch. Question. Hey, Nick, hope you've been able to uh, shake off any lingering jet lag from VidSummit. Working on it. That's why I've got a mug of water and a mug of coffee. Told my girlfriend before the stream, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it all the way through this one, but I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can. Um, let's see here. It says, um, if I occasionally watch my own videos on my own channel, does that count as a view? No. Um, does YouTube perceive that as a poor practice to be avoided and not indicate nefarious intent to Ill illegitimately increase watch time hours? Thank you in advance for always insightful advice. So when it comes to you watching your own videos, it's interesting actually that, that we've had that come up to twice in, uh, how many questions have we answered so far? Yeah. And five questions th this question. So, uh, when you are interacting with your own content on YouTube, YouTube is, uh, um, they verify views. So let's say you publish a video right now. As views start coming into that video, YouTube is basically checking their system, is checking those views. It's looking for any type of weird activity. It's looking for anything that could be um, uh, mo not malicious, but anything that could be uh, kind of falsifying the data on the videos, those types of things. And one of those things is the fact that, you know, you or me or anybody here as creators, that we might also watch our own content. So what can happen is, you know, you might watch your own content and it might temporarily register as a view, but it, that view will end up being removed because YouTube will detect that it was you. Same exact thing happens. Like, let's say 
and don't do this, by the way, do not test this because if you do, um, especially if you don't have YouTube premium and you're getting ads and things like that, then, you know, this can trigger the uh, invalid traffic on your channel. So you want to be really like, just don't do what I'm getting ready to tell you. But one of the things that, um, that you, um, th that people can do is they could open up a bunch of different tabs, right? And people try to do this as a way to kind of game things, but they open up a bunch of different tabs and then they'll have those videos just like running in all those different tabs. And then they'll look at their channel and they're like, Hey, this, uh, this, you know, this all registered as views. Sweet. I'm going to keep doing this. But what they don't realize is that YouTube will quickly identify that all of that is coming from the same place. And then, you know, that will all be taken away. Um, so because of that, you know, um, don't, don't worry about that from, you know, from your side. Um, but in terms of the explanation there, is I'm just trying to uh, kind of paint the picture that as long as you're not like trying to do anything shady, you're fine, right? So like some people watch their own video, they'll watch it one time or maybe twice just to kind of make sure everything, you know, came out okay, that kind of stuff. Some people even like their own videos or whatever, but, um, but at the end of the day, like your activity um, isn't going to count on your, uh, on your own videos. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, hope you are doing awesome. Man, they were like barbecue deep at, uh, at VidSummit. We had uh, uh, Cosmos Q um, hanging out at uh, Bid Summit. I actually have to follow up with, uh, with him. Um, we had uh, How to Barbecue Right hanging out at Bid Summit. So, uh, yeah, you uh, definitely should, uh, should uh, swing by next time. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got, okay, that was five. Let's see. We've got uh, Global Wired uh, Wildfire Equipment. The type of channel is educational and entertainment content. The goal of the channel is to share the inside stories of wildland firefighting, um, as well as promote the equipment that we build for the industry. That's cool. Question. Jason Perry, a.k.a. Old Country, and oh, nice, um, introduced us to this channel um, and sent back info for VidSummit. We are new to this, and Jason will be helping guide us. But the question is, how soon do you think that we should start live streaming as well as creating a podcast? That's a great question. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to creating a podcast, the first thing to think about is that your podcast is a different thing, right? So when you are coming into the online space and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna tr we're we're building a brand um, online," um, that can be a personal brand or it can be you know like a company brand, but we're building a brand online. So what you what you want to think about is you want to think about um, different things that you can create to help get yourself out there. So one thing that people will do is they'll make a website. Some people start posting blog posts to that uh, that website. Um, they'll optimize those for search and all that, which is a whole other learning curve. Um, but you know they'll do that. Um, they will start podcasts because when you have a podcast, that's going to go places that YouTube doesn't go, right? So for example, if you do a podcast and you upload it into like Captivate FM, for example, and then there you have uh, the different platforms where you can just say, hey, submit it to this, submit it to Apple Music, submit it to Amazon, submit it to, uh, you know, the, the big list of, uh, you know, all the different podcasting platforms, then what you just did there after you go through that, and YouTube has podcasts as well, and and they'll show they'll show up in um the the uh, YouTube music. But when it comes to the podcasting side of things, one of the cool things there is it gives you the opportunity to reach people that you might not have been able to reach on YouTube, right? Um, and then you can also use that as a way to drive people back to your YouTube channel just through the awareness. So, you know, if somebody, if somebody runs across your content on Apple podcasts, 
than in that particular case. And you just mentioned, hey, by the way, you know, we have a YouTube channel. So if you're enjoying this, make sure you, you know, hop over to our YouTube channel. We got a links down in the show notes. Then in that particular case, you know, you're giving yourself that opportunity to send people there. But more importantly, to just meet the people that you're trying to reach where they're at. Right. So if they're listening to podcasts and that's the type of person that you're reaching, then in that particular case, you know, they might take you on a jog with them or they might, you know, listen to you while they are in the gym or while they're doing, you know, other things, because that's just how they consume content at that moment in time. And you're able to reach them there. So that's a win. Now, when it comes to the YouTube side, the win there is, you know, they have their own distribution um, or their own ways that people can find you. So with a podcast, it's more about like you have to, um, you know, try to bring your own attention to that through either advertising or through, you know, um, other, you know, social media accounts and things like that. Um, There's not a lot of options there in terms of, you know, your own distribution um, or your own discovery, I should say, when it comes to podcasts. But if you bring your podcast to YouTube, YouTube does have that. So people can find your podcast and search. YouTube will recommend it to people that they think are, are likely to enjoy it and those types of things. So you have that win there by bringing your podcast to YouTube. Now, if we add in video content on YouTube, then you get the advantage of having your video content on YouTube. But with your video content on YouTube, depending on exactly what it is that you are talking about or what you're you know, sharing or showing, um, since you say you're doing educational entertainment, that education side of things makes really good search uh, based content. So when it comes to educational content, one of the cool things there is that when you are publishing a video to YouTube, if you, if you set everything up correctly, then in that particular case, it can show up in YouTube. It can be recommended on YouTube on home pages, um, you know, suggested next to other videos as well. It can also show up in uh, YouTube search when people are looking for it. So that gives you like three places of discovery there. Um, uh, and in addition to that, if, you are optimizing it for search, it can also show up in Google and you can get traffic that way. It can also show up in in Bing and Yahoo and all the other text-based search engines that allow for video. Um, it can also show up in all of those places that also give you the opportunity to come in that way. Um, you can also share that content out to other places like Pinterest and things like that as a way to kind of you know get it in um, if you wanted to. But at the end of the day, you know, your podcast that you're going to do, um, it's just a different, you know, type of, you know, uh, viewer um, or listener, I should say, in that particular case. But it's also, you know, it, it creates different opportunities than the video content does. The video content's easier in terms of, you know, people being able to find it easily without you telling them about it in terms of their recommendation systems. So that's a huge win in terms of making videos for your podcast. Um, but then when it comes to just the standalone podcast outlets, it gives you that option to where, you know, people can, uh, you know, find you that way as well if they're searching, you know, like topically for podcasts about, you know, whatever uh, the things are that you're going to be talking about. So hopefully that helps. Um, Griffin Notary Services. Super chat. Thank you for the super chat. Super appreciate it. Says, um, where can I find solid info on how to use other monetized content, short clips for my monetized videos for educational purposes and not get copyright strikes? Do I just say fair use um, 10 times? Thanks. No. So um, the best thing that you can do is, is actually contact a copyright attorney because, of course, you can go and you can go into YouTube. And um, if you go to YouTube search, then um, you have the option and the filters to sort by creative commons. And when you sort by creative commons, um, most of that is going to be with attribution. 
which means that you just have to give them credit for the things that show up there. But when people mark their videos as, uh, you know, content that's able to be used through, you know, Creative Commons, then that essentially gives you, not essentially, that gives you permission to use it as long as you give them uh, credit for it. So, you know, that's one way. But when it comes to fair use, that's a totally different thing. So first, let me talk about the first thing. So if you are going to be using um, someone else's uh, you know, content in any capacity, even if they mark it as Creative Commons, keep in mind, sometimes people will mark that inappropriately. Um, you know, just because it's up on YouTube and it's like that doesn't mean that that person that uploaded it to YouTube didn't get it from somewhere else. So there are still many layers of complication that you can run into there. So you have to be really careful um, about what it is that you're doing. In addition to that, you also, um, I would hop on a call with a uh, with an attorney um, that specializes in copyright law and talk to them and show them exactly what it is that you're trying to do and have them explain to you exactly how you're going to need to do it in order to make sure that they can defend it um, as fair use because you know your interpretation may or may not be in alignment with the you know with what a lawyer would be able to defend so because of that you know either putting together you know uh, an example and saying this is how I'm going to use it would you be able to defend this as fair use um, that's one, you know, approach, um, or hopping on a call and saying, okay, I need you to outline for me exactly what I need to make sure that I do in order to make sure that, you know, that, that you would be able to defend this in the, uh, in the event that, you know, push came to shove. Um, so that would be, you know, that would be the thing, but when it comes to, uh, you know, using, um, other content, um, yeah, I get leaning on the creative commons thing is definitely the, the way to go. You can do fair use. But you have to make sure that you're doing it correctly because if not, I mean, you know, like, like, uh, you know, it can lead to and it has led to in the past, um, uh, you know, legal, you know, legal issues. So because of that, just make sure that you are, you know, um, taking the right the right path there. All right, so um, let's hear. So next up on our list here, we're on number seven. We got the Dream Builder 21. Um, they do daily content, been on YouTube for less than six months. Um, they do automotive content. The goal of the channel is to entertain people with my projects to distract them from their day. And the question is, do you recommend any free websites to design merchandise that are free and really good quality for merch? Um, so I think you can do that on Canva. Um, I believe through their their uh, their free plans, I believe you can do it there. You might be able to do that in like Adobe Firefly, but I'm not 100% sure. But, um, but the first place I would try um, for that for the free side would be Canva. Um, I know TubeSpanner also has, uh, you know, graphics stuff in there as well to where you can build graphics inside of their design tool. Um, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head if that's part of the free plan or not. Um, Danielle, um, if you are still in here, if you could just add some clarity there if that is part of the free plan or not. But, um, but when it comes to uh, that, you know, that is an option if so. Um, but if not, I'm pretty sure you can do that um, with Canva as part of their their free plan. All right. So let's see here. So Eric Waite says, nobody's hiring a lawyer. You can use less money um, just paying for music from Epidemic Sound or some other company. So he's talking about using content, not music. Um, he's talking about using content. Uh, so basically being able to, to take other people's content and use it as a way um, through essentially uh, – the very specific use was using the clips um, in the content for educational purposes, right? So basically just trying to avoid any copyright issues um, using it that way. Yes, um, I use both. They're two totally separate tools. 
So basically with uh, with TubeBuddy, um, TubeBuddy is, you know, about optimizing your videos for search and about testing your thumbnails um, and doing like, you know, bulk updates and, you know, those types of things. Um, TubeSpanner is um, more workflow based. So it's great for like uh, social sharing. Um, like if you go to nicknimmon.com slash bio, for example, everything you see there, like that, that bio list page that is linked to on all my social accounts, um, that is, you know, TubeSpanner um, that's provided by TubeSpanner. Um, AI script writing tool, um, all, all kinds, just an entire, like huge tool set, um, of additional things that, you know, that will help you with your channel. Uh, build with Mooney. Super chat. The super chat says, um, why do some YouTube experts say that shorts are cheating? In my opinion, shorts are not cheating and they are, and they are hard as well to figure out. Um, I'm not sure who says that they're that they're cheating, um, but when it comes to YouTube shorts, they are, you know, how we just talked about podcasts, right? We talked about podcasts about how, you know, about how you can meet your viewers where they're at, right? So when it comes to YouTube shorts, the reason people say that it's cheating is because, you know, they'll look at, um, you know, like, like me, for example, right? Like I take these live streams and I drop them into Opus Clip. And then um, when Opus Clip is finished with them, I got like 40 or 50 different shorts that I can upload to my, my clips channel. So I didn't cheat. I made the content. And then now I'm just repurposing that content and it's getting me in front of people that might not have, you know, ever seen my content before because they're in the short shelf. They're not hanging out in the long form or at that moment in time, they were in the short shelf and it allowed me to, you know, pop up in their feed. So when it comes to YouTube shorts, um, I don't think it's cheating at all. And I think that long term. If you want to reach as many people as you possibly can with your content, yeah, it's called Opus Clip uh, Brooklyn. Um, I've got a link to them down in the description. But like, uh, when it comes to uh, shorts, the idea is there are people right now that could get tons of value out of this live stream, but they're not seeing it because they are in the short shelf, right? So if I were to multicast this into the short shelf, which I'll be doing in the future, if I were, if I were going to multicast this into the short shelf, then that would give me the opportunity to reach them there as well, right? So same exact thing goes with your, uh, your long-form content. So if you publish a regular piece of content to your channel, you have, one, the big humongous hurdle of grabbing somebody's attention and getting them to click on that in the first place. That's huge. The, like, the, the, the big step that that is, is gigantic, right? Whereas you're going to miss a lot of people there because they're not going to click on what it is that you have. You're going to have people that will, but you're going to have a lot of people that won't also. That's why, you know, click-through rates are, you know, 5%, 10%, things like that, not 90% or 95% because you miss a lot of people, right? But when it comes to the short shelf, it's totally different. Because in YouTube Shorts, if you publish a you know, piece of content over there, it just happens to people, right? So people that might not have clicked on what it is that you, uh, that you made over here, you're just going to show up, right? So you get to introduce yourself to them there um, without them needing to take those extra steps. And within that as well, you know, people consume different stuff at different times. Like me, I watch long-form content, but I also watch Shorts. Right. And I watch TikTok. Shout out to, you know, TikTok viewers over here. But I watch shorts. I watch, you know, TikTok as well. And um, and you know, reels sometimes. But the idea is like, you know, when I'm watching shorts, 
I'm in a totally different mindset than I am when I'm watching long form content. So if I'm watching long form content, I'm usually settling down. I'm like dedicating some time to learning something. I am, you know, like I'm expecting to spend some time. But when I'm in when I'm in shorts or I'm on TikTok, in that particular case, I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, hey, I got some time to kill. So I got some time to kill. So let me see if I can learn something real quick or catch a laugh or whatever it is. And through that experience, it's introduced me to tons of creators that I might not have ever seen their their long form content, right? Because it's just those quick bites like, oh, wow, that was cool. Wow, that that's super valuable. Let me see what else they make. And then I'll go and explore them. And then I'll subscribe to, you know, subscribe to their channels that way. Um, so because of that, just remember when it comes to shorts, you know, it's just, it's just another, it's another outlet, essentially, you know, like, even though it's on YouTube, one way to think about it is like, it's a, it's a different experience for people at a different time. Um, and it, it removes a lot of the barriers uh, to entry in terms of, you know, needing to get people to click and things like that in order to get in front of them. Um, so really quick, I just want to clarify something here. Um, this is directly from the chat says, um, this is from Stephanie G says, I don't have social media. Do you think that has anything to do with channel growth? No. So when it comes to your channel growth, that comes down to your content and how people respond to your content. If you take all of the complexity, you're going to hear everybody explaining YouTube, um, in, in very complicated ways, right? You're going to see people making videos about how, you know, YouTube works and they're going to draw up these big elaborate, you know, things. And, you know, uh, it looks complicated and it is right. I mean, it's an algorithm, like, you know, unless you're like a data scientist, then, you know, then in that particular case, you have to kind of, you know, peel it back from the outside. Um, so when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, uh, completely lost my train of thought, jet lag kicking in, boom. Um, but when it comes to, hold on, let me go up here and look for your thing. Oh yeah. Uh, social media. But when it comes to, uh, you know, your channel growth and your video performance, if you take the entirety of YouTube and all the different complexities that you're going to hear about how everything works here is YouTube in a nutshell, you have to learn how to get people to, to click on what it is that you're doing. If you're making long form content, um, that the, you cannot avoid that, right? You have to learn how to make thumbnails that help people identify that your content about something they might care about. And you have to be able to, or you have to learn how to write titles that will compel them to click on what it is that you have. Um, those two things are required. They're a requirement if you want to, you know, do well here long-term. The third is you have to learn how to create a, an experience for your viewers um, that they can enjoy at the highest level that is competitive with the other content that those people are watching. Because YouTube prioritize, prioritizes uh, recommendations based on the content that is keeping their viewers satisfied. So if you can't compete yet, um, in term, and, and keep in mind, so, you know, because we have a lot of, you know, new content creators hanging out here. Um, so keep in mind, like, if you're not getting, you know, um, what you want out of YouTube right now, like, keep going. Because, you know, j like, sometimes it can take a decent amount of time because you have to learn how to do all of this stuff, right? So I just wanted to put that message out there. But when it comes to, you know, taking YouTube into a nutshell, everything is based on response, okay? So if you take away all the graphs, you take away all the complicated language and all of that, it's all about how good are you at helping people identify your contents about something they care about and then giving them a great experience once they click on it. Those two things, that's it. And if you can do those two things really well over and over and over again, there, of course, there's additional things, right? Like there's learning how to get people to click on that next video so you can continue session time and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, 
if you can just get people to click at a competitive rate and you can get people to enjoy the content at a competitive rate, that's all you need to get decent views on your videos and to be able to turn this into something, right? Um, so if you take all the complexity and you strip it away, it's all just based on response. How do people respond to what it is that you're doing? And then how can you get better at, at creating that experience for people through your content? Those are the things that you need to that you need to focus on. It doesn't matter if you have a Twitter account or a Facebook account or, you know, it doesn't matter if you have any of those other accounts. The only thing that matters is how your videos are performing on YouTube. And if your videos are getting a good response on YouTube, then YouTube's going to keep showing those videos to people. If they are not and they're not competitive, then your videos are going to be, you know, lowered, so to speak. And the videos that are, I mean, they're not going to be lowered. It's just the videos that are getting, uh, you know, more activity and that are the most competitive. Those are just going to end up taking the viewership because they know how to get people to click. They know how to get people to have that good experience. They know how to get people to continue watching the videos, um, you know, more videos on the channel. So because of that, just focus all of your efforts, like try to try to make this as, as, as not complicated as possible and just focus all of your efforts on how the people that I'm trying to reach, ask yourself this, the people that I'm trying to reach, how can I make it just super easy for them to know what my stuff is about from the outside in terms of my packaging, right? Because your packaging is essentially advertising for your video, your thumbnail and title. And then from there, once they click on this, how can I create the best possible experience for them from that point on? So when they click on this particular video, how can I give them a piece of content that's going to add whatever type of value that you're trying to add? How can I give them a piece of content that's going to add that value to them um, and, and create a just good, enjoyable experience? And in a lot of cases, that comes down to just removing the things that distract them. So, you know, for example, on the production side, you don't have to have, you know, the fancy cameras and, you know, like the lighting and all of that. It, you know, it, it, it presents you in a certain way, but you don't have to have that. All you need is to get the content to a certain point to where the production isn't a distraction from the value that you're trying to offer. Okay. So what that means is, if somebody comes into your video and they're like, oh yeah, this, I can't even hardly hear what's going on. Then in that case, that's a distraction because their, their, their focus is being pulled away from the content by the bad audio. If they come in and the lighting's bad and they can't really see, you know, what it is that you're doing or, you know, you're out in the world and, you know, you're, let's say you're doing things on your phone and you're shaking your phone all over the place. Then in that particular case, that shaky phone is the, is the distraction and it'll cause people to, to leave um, or the bad lighting in terms of just not being able to see what's going on if you're indoors. Um, you know, that would be the distraction. So getting the content to the point to where it is. The, where there's nothing that will distract people from the value that you're trying to give them and making sure that you are, you know, just doing everything you can to create a great experience. And remember, like, you know, you're going to see tons of stuff on YouTube. Like if, if you watch content like mine, you're going to get recommended other content from other, from other people. A lot of amazing creators and a lot of amazing coaches and consultants and everything sharing a lot of really good information. But there's also a lot of like, you know, shady folks um, that are just trying to, you know, get you in there and just trying to sell you stuff and things like that. For some of them, um, you know, you got, you got to be really careful. Like if you see a video that says like, you know, eight hacks to get more views or something like that, don't even click on the video. Like th there isn't a hack. Like the, the, the hack is learn how to make content that that the people that you're trying to reach will enjoy. That's the hack, right? That's it. 
there's not there's not a shortcut to that to that process, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately and unfortunately at the same time, right? Um, but when it comes to that, like you know, it, it's not about it's not about you know using your other socials to get people on YouTube. It's not about you know any of that. It's not about tricking people to do stuff, anything like that. It's about how can I provide value to people and how can I provide a um, a, a seamless great experience for people when they're interacting with my content. If you can do those two things, um, then then you'll then you'll do fine here. Um, let's see here. Opus is a must today. I play gratitude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, let's see. So aperture movement. Thank you for the super chat. Super chat. So, um, if I were to change my channel name, what things should I consider? Um, so the only things to really consider when it comes to your channel name is do other people use it? Because you want to try to use a name that's unique if you can, because when people search for it, the, the, how I was just talking about making things easy for people, you know, to identify the content about something to care about and tell them. Making things easy for people all over the platform is the best thing you can do. So when it comes to your name, if you have a unique name, which you do currently, if you have a unique name, then in that particular case, if somebody searches for you, you're the only channel that comes up. There might be videos that come up, but you're going to be the only channel that comes up for that name. Um, so, you know, that's an advantage. In addition to that, if you're if the name that you're going to pick is going to be part of you growing your brand on YouTube to where you're like, hey, I'm, this is my, I'm staking my claim in the words of the the wonderful Brian G. Johnson. Um, if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm staking my claim and I'm going to build this brand um, with this new channel name that I'm doing online, then in that particular case, in addition to trying to get something unique on YouTube, make sure that that same name is available as like a website name. I mean, you can go to like godaddy.com or namecheap.com or directnick.com or um, instantdomainsearch.com, like all kinds of, you know, different options there to see if the names are available, but, um, get the domain name and then get that name across social media. If you can, if you can come up with something unique and, um, and by doing that, you're basically going to secure all of those different accounts, um, around that particular name. And you're essentially going to own that name into the future. And then anytime a new, um, thing pops up like threads, for example, um, for Facebook, anytime something new pops up like that, then hop in on it, grab the name and you don't have to publish there. Just grab the name. Right. Um, so just make sure that you're considering, you know, those types of things. Um, if you have a established following in that case, some of those people will be searching for your name, um, when they're looking for you. So because of that, just make sure that on your about me page that you do put in there somewhere, once you change your name, um, you know, formally, you know, um, aperture movement, um, or, you know, my channel used to be named aperture movement, but now I changed it to blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing there is your about me page can also just kind of give, um, the YouTube system, um, some clarity. Like if people are looking for, uh, looking for your name that way. Hopefully that helps. <laughs> Doug says, I was in Texas for more than a week and I did not claim my stake. You know what, dude? I didn't have a stake in Texas either. What's wrong with us? Oh my gosh. All right, Doug. Well, it looks like next week, you and me, man, we're going back to Texas and uh, looks like we're going we're gonna to go back there and have some steak. That's all right. We'll get them next year. <laughs> so, so Doug, next year, you and me and steak. All right. Um, let's see here. So next up, let's see here. We did Dream Builder. Okay, we did that. Okay, so next up on our list here, back into the form, we've got um, Her Square Dating Pool Roast. They upload every other day. It's an entertainment channel. The goal of the channel is to make money on YouTube. And the question is, can I advertise with Google Ads? And why is there a warning about watch hours and subscribers not used in the YouTube Partner Program if you use Google Ads? I'm confused about that. So um, you can use Google Ads, but keep in mind when it comes to Google Ads, 
that, uh, hey, yeah, he is really quick. Brian G. Johnson is making some amazing photos lately. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to Google ads, you can use Google ads on your, uh, you know, to, to bring attention to your YouTube videos. But keep in mind, um, if you are going to do that, it's important to make sure that you are also um, able to get an organic response. And what I mean by that is if you're going to run ads and you still haven't learned how to get people to click on your on your thumbnails and titles yet, um, you still haven't learned to come up with, you know, like video ideas that are, you know, a little bit more, you know, broad in nature for the niche that you're trying to, you know, serve and those types of things. Then in that particular case, as soon as you turn off your ad spend, everything's going to grind to a screeching halt. And all of those people that interacted with your content that you thought like, hey, I got people subscribing and all of that. If you still can't get them to click, then all of that money's wasted, right? For some vanity numbers. So basically you exchanged real hard cash for some numbers on the internet, right? So there's no real value there. So make sure if you are going to do that, that you can get an organic response first so that you don't end up in a situation where you spend tons of money and you end up, you know, growing what you think is an audience, but you can't get that audience to respond. Good, good, uh, good question there. Um, let's see here. So next up we've got, um, Animal Sensei. Nice. Love it. Um, been on YouTube less than six months. They do animal education. The goal of the channel it says, I love animals and I want to share my knowledge and passion with others. And uh, let's see here. I'm going to bring, uh, I think it's already passed. Oh, I see. Okay. So I'm um, so here. So the question is, hello, I started making videos about three months ago. Welcome to YouTube. Says, um, with my first three getting 16,000, 19,000, and 7,000 views. But recently, hey, really quick, just for, you know, new content creators out there, you know, for those of you that are publishing videos, you got, you know, hardly any views at all. And, and for those of you, um, you know, if, if you're one of the creators that I see on Reddit and stuff where you're like, man, YouTube doesn't show the videos of small creators, you know, to anybody and those sorts of things. This is one of those examples where you got to look in the mirror, right? Um, because in this case, they published three videos. First one got 16,000 views, 19,000 views, and 7,000 views. It's, it's a good start. Very good start. But anyway. But recently, I find it really hard to get YouTube to push my videos to go over 500 views on each video. My content ideas didn't change, and my click-through rate are better now than um, those three videos I mentioned above. What am I doing wrong? How can I fix that? So you're misinterpreting, uh, misinterpreting what it is that you're seeing. So when you are looking at Roberto Blake in the house, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing awesome. Um, when you are looking at your stats on your videos... Um, so, of course, your view counts are, you know, those are going to be legit. But when it comes to looking at your click-through rate on a video that has 500 views and comparing that click-through rate to a video that has 16,000 views, um, you're comparing two completely different things. So, on YouTube, one of the things that it happens is when you first publish a video, it's, really to, it, it, it's easy to keep your numbers really high. So, all over the internet and all of the new YouTuber communities, you're going to see people saying, like, I don't understand. I've got a video that has, you know, like an 8% click-through rate um, and I've got like you know 70 views on this particular video I got an 8% click-through rate and I've got like you know 50% uh, retention well you know if you have less than 100 views that's you know that's not fantastic numbers right now at 16,000 
you've had a lot more impressions on the video. You've had a lot more people interacting with the content. So because of that, it's going to typically, not always, but most of the time, like like almost always, but not always, um, it pushes down all of your metrics. So the more people that interact with your content, Brian G. Johnson in the house. What's up, dude? Hope you are doing awesome. We were just talking about you. Um, but basically, when you publish your videos to YouTube, the more people that interact with your content, the harder it is to maintain those higher numbers. So because of that, what you want to do, and, and you're just getting rolling right now, so this might be a little bit difficult, but what you can do is you can go into uh, your videos. Like, let's say you can go into that 16,000 video and the 19,000 video and the 7,000 video and start looking at the impressions on those videos and then lock the date down and say, okay, um, this is when these uh, videos had 100,000 impressions on them or 50,000 impressions or whatever, you, wh wherever it is that you want to make that marker, that first one. And then you can say, okay, around that particular mark um, on that day or, you know, around that time, what did my what did my retention look like there? Um, what did my retention or what did my click through rate look like there? Right, and then when you do that, it's going to start painting a totally different picture and give you a much better understanding of the targets that you're after based on the different impressions that you're going to hit. So uh, 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 there's a, a friend of mine. His name's Evan Carmichael. Um, one of the things that um, that he introduced is um, uh, or the language that he introduced, and I just love the explanation of this because it makes total sense. As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. But um, uh, the language that he uses for this is impression bands, right? So I would say like thresholds or, you know, something like that, but impression bands works too. So basically looking at your data, not just as, um, you know, this is, you know, like, okay, if it's got a hundred views or it's got a hundred thousand views, then everything's equal because it's not saying, okay, if it has this many impressions on it, then my averages are about this. But once we cross this threshold and then we go from 100,000 to 500,000 impressions, this is what we're looking at. And then from 500,000 to a million, this is what we're looking at. And then you start creating those baselines for those different levels as you go along. That helps That helps uh, add a lot of clarity to your video performance over time because you know when you publish a video to YouTube, the first people to see it are the people that the system thinks are the most likely to enjoy that content at that moment in time. And it's pretty good at picking those people. So that's why, you know, even on an established channel, when you first publish your videos, your metrics are typically high. Um, and then as it starts going out to more general audiences or just more people that aren't that perfect laser targeted fit, then that's where things kind of start falling apart a little bit, right? Or not falling apart, but everything starts kind of, you know, dropping a little bit because those people don't respond at as a high rate as the um, as that initial group of people did. So because of that, in your particular case, like when you're looking at the data, think about that. Um, also, I'm, I'm actually gonna pull up your channel here really quick as well, just because you're new and I just wanna make sure I'm giving you the, the right information here. I'm gonna take a quick glance and if it's something, if I see something glaring, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pull it up on screen and I hope that's okay. Um, okay, so right here, if I go into your popular videos, so it looks like you have a tiger thing, a bear thing, and a gray wolf as your other one. But still, you've got these other videos, you know, three uh, 3,000 views, 3,000 views, 1.2 thousand views. So for the amount of content you have, you're actually doing, you're actually doing fantastic, um, just so you know, like you're, you're off to a great start. Um, but one thing I would definitely do is um, is pay attention to like the videos that performed well, go in and analyze everything that you did in those videos in terms of how they started, 
in terms of, you know, what you were doing, you know, like every few seconds in those videos, how often you cut them, the things you focused on, close-ups versus being, you know, far out, those those types of things, how you were telling the story in terms of the structure, uh, make sure you're looking at all of those. Um, but another thing too is like how you're packaging these, right? So the very first one here, I'm actually just going to pull this up here um, just for, let me move this out of the way. The sizing on this is going to be a little bit weird, um, but I'm, I'm just going to pull this up here anyway, just for the sake of, uh, let's see here, Animal Sensei, share, and then let's get this in here. Bink. Okay. So let me stretch this out a little bit so that we can make sure we have a little bit more of a screen. Okay. So basically what you want to, uh, what you want to do is you see right here, I have like tigers are the um, ultimate predators and then tigers are killing machines, right? So one thing that you are doing, which is smart, is you're like, hey, this worked, right? So I got this tiger here facing the camera, looking directly at it. These are probably made like mid-journey or something. And then you have the actual animal name as the focus. So people that are interested in those particular animals can see that, which is a win. Um, and then you have, you know, whatever else it is that you, you know, put on there. So all of that's great. But one thing that I want to bring to your attention is here tigers um, are the ultimate predators, right? Even little details like this are things that everybody here should be thinking about when they are putting their content together. So this here is a direct statement about tigers being the ultimate predators. Tigers are killing machines, right? This whole thing seems like violent and it seems like, you know, if I click on this, I'm gonna learn some like heavy stuff about, you know, tigers and just how like menacing they are. But then when I come down here, I see the spotted hyena, the ultimate scavenger, and then here are hyenas misunderstood, which is a question instead of a statement, right? So here in this particular case, and this could be fine because here you have how deadly are brown bears, right? So it's a similar thing. It's a question. But like I would start paying a lot of attention to like little details like this. Like how do people respond when I do a statement versus a question? Um, how am I actually framing this one here? So we have this one, the ultimate scavenger. Like would this do better, right? And this is a thing that you could test if you wanted to. Um, would this do better if you change this to, um, you know, why? hyenas are misunderstood, or this is why uh, hyenas are misunderstood, or, you know, hyenas um, are a lot more, you know, vicious than you think, or, you know, something along those lines for the title. Um, and then here, instead of just having the, actually having the ultimate scavenger there, I think that that's okay. And this is a pretty menacing shot, but basically experimenting with things like that um, can definitely be um, advantageous. Other little things um, as well, is as you progress through time, because you just have a few videos on here, which is why I'm, you know, kind of wanted to do this really quick. But as you progress through time, you see how you experimented here with this one and with this one, how you have like the verses. So over time, just kind of pay attention to these sorts of things, right? And start paying attention to like, okay, do people usually respond better when I focus on an individual animal? Um, do, pe do people typically respond when I talk about violence more than when I talk about them, you know, surviving? Um, do people typically respond, uh, you know, better when I'm doing a versus video, right? And just making sure that you're just being super mindful of all of those things, because even though that seems like a trivial detail, it can make a really big difference in, in how people respond to content. And because of that, it's important to make sure that you are tracking, you know, that sort of things over time. Um, in addition to that, see this one here, how you have, you know, the fearless dwarf and then the honey badger uh, doesn't fear anything. Here, 
You don't have a picture of the honey badger. Um, you also have the fearless dwarf, and there's no real information here. So these all have information. Like these are these are like I love your thumbnails. I think these are these are awesome thumbnails. Everything looks like really you know like vicious, and I love it. Um, but when it comes to this particular one, I would go in and I would change this one like right now. Um, so here, one thing that you want to think about is when you are publishing this to YouTube. Like here, let me just go to my homepage real quick. You know what? Actually, let me take this down and I'm just going to show you something really quick. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to steal your thumbnail. Well, let me close this. Give me one second here. View page source. Actually, I'm not going to talk step by step through this. Let's see. Give me one second. Animal thumb. Okay. And we're going to close that out. Now I'm going to go back to YouTube's homepage. Actually, I'll just do it here. Okay. So let me pull this back on screen. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is, um, and this is Tube Spanner's thumbnail um, testing tool. So this isn't like an A-B tester. This is more about being able to see what your thumbnails look like um, at a glance on YouTube. So basically, I'm just going to put, uh, I'm, I'm just going to leave catchy title here just so, you know, you can show it. And I'm just going to put my channel name here. Um, but of course, you know, you can do this, um, you know, on your own as well. And then here, I'm going to turn this timer on to the countdown during the preview. I'm going to take this down to two seconds, which I don't know if you can see that or not. And then I'm going to hit preview, and it's going to black it out. And what you do is for your particular thumbnail, right, which I see it popped up down here. But what you want to do is you want to look at it. And you want to think to yourself, okay, so if the people that I'm trying to reach that care about animals and that care about animal facts and care about, you know, the, the animal stuff that I'm doing, in that particular case, how is... How does my thumbnail about animals stand out right here on the homepage, right? Like, how do I, how do my thumbnails, like, how will this thumbnail grab the attention of somebody that's interested in animals? It's not going to, right? Because you have, you know, like, you can see a little bit of a cutout, but you just see more of the question mark and the fearless dwarf. So what you want to do here in this particular situation is get an animal in here. Right. Maybe even put, you know, the badger, you know, name in here or something like that um, so that when people see it, it's something that, you know, grabs their attention instead of having that big void there. I understand that you're trying to create the curiosity gap, um, but the idea that I'm trying to express is that when you are. Let me remove this really quick. There we go. When you are, uh, you know, uh, you know, posting videos to YouTube, people are going to be seeing these in home pages. People are going to be seeing these recommended next to other videos. They're going to be seeing them in YouTube search. And because of that, you want to make sure that you are making the imagery in the thumbnail something that people can, um, uh, you know, pe something that people can easily, uh, you know, identify as something that they might, uh, something they might care about. Guess what? Corgibutt says, um, anybody scanning the thumbnails to see if Nick watches your videos? <laughs> nice. Love it. Yeah, what does my subscription feed look like? What what does my homepage look like here? Let's let's look real quick. Let's 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 see what I watch. Um, this isn't gonna be that like it, it'll be somewhat accurate, but not like super accurate because uh, and then we'll get back to the questions right here in just a second. But this will be sort of accurate, but not super accurate, just because, you know, I also just kind of look at YouTube a lot um, as well. 
in terms of just like studying stuff. So I'll click random stuff that I wouldn't normally click. But uh, let's see, we got video editing stuff. We've got, you know, some lo-fi hip hop. That's legit. We got Roberto. That's legit. This dude is awesome. So this guy right here, uh, uh, Reinhardt Burr, if you're into music and you're into just like uh, improv music, this dude is just is just insane. His stuff is so good, especially if you're into like like soundtrack type stuff. Really, really good uh, stuff. We got Doug Hewson, um over here as well. We got some more lo-fi. What else we got? Some AI stuff. Hey, look, there's me. Um, some hand pan stuff. For those of you that are on my TikTok, you know my thing about uh, hand pan. Love that. We got Matt Wolf over here. Some more AI stuff. We got music videos. Got more Roberto. Yeah, this one's on Vipers, though. Yeah, we got more Roberto stuff. Um, not sure who that is. We've got uh, some more music. Got Ali Abdal. We got Tom Tom Buck here. I watch him um, also. Yeah, so yeah. So that gives you just some general idea into the stuff that I'm uh, doing. We got Leela in here. She's amazing. But yeah, this is the uh, this is stuff I'm watching. All right, now let's get back to some questions. <laughs> All right, so um, let's see. So next up on our list here. Yeah, I do too. Like um, for this one, it, it was recommending me one of my shorts from my Clips channel, which is, uh, which is kind of funny. All right, so let's uh, let's keep going. So um, we we got uh, Animal Sensei. So now we are on Godan uh, Financero, I think is how you say uh, this particular channel name. But um, they do finance content. The goal of the channel is going up to 100,000 subs this year. The question is, what are some recent stats on audience retention and CTR? I'm not sure what you mean. Um, what are some recent stats on audience retention and CTR? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean uh, by that particular question. Um, do you mean like stats in general? Or like if you want stats in general, you know what? I can't do it because I'm on my phone. Um, but uh, let's see here. How would I be able to do this? You know what? I probably have it in my images here. Yeah, I can give you – I actually have some interesting information that was shared previously um, previously at VidSummit um, that might be uh, some – stuff that you might find interesting here. Give me one second. Let me see if I can find it because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find it easily here. I know exactly where to go to it if it's on my phone, but I'm not sure here. So if I go to library, nope, that's not it. If I just go to all photos, nope. Let's go to albums. All right. Yeah. We're okay. I don't think, well, I don't know. Let's see my albums. Oh, okay. Yep. Here we go. I should be able to find it here. Where are you at? Retention information. Um, ideas, planner, stickers. Um, okay, well, it looks like I'm not going to be able to share that with you because I don't know uh, don't know where to find it. But I have a graph um, that was shared at VidSummit by um, Todd, who works on the YouTube algorithm. And basically, the whole thing is for long-form content. Um, it is a chart. It's a chart about uh, video length and retention on that on on that specific length. But unfortunately, um, I can't find this on my computer. 
so yeah, so at this moment in time, yeah, I'm not going to be able to share that with you. But if you come back in on a time that I'm not streaming out the TikTok, you know what? Let me, let me, I should be able to find it here. Zach Talks Tech, my man, hope you're doing great. And I uh, hope that stays live. Um, and I'm just going to go in here and, and do it this way. Okay, so here we go. So I'm just going to tell you what it is. So basically, when it comes to good audience retention, here's the here's the the thing that I've been hyping up for like like probably four minutes now, however long it took me to find this. So good retention rate in terms of percentage watched. So if a video is three minutes long, the top 10% of videos is 82% audience retention. The median is 62%. If you have six-minute videos, the top 10% of videos is 71%, and the median is 50%. If you have a 10-minute video, the top 10% of videos is 61% retention and 44% on the median. And if you have 15-minute videos, it's 54% um, with a 37% on the median. And if you have a 30-minute video, it is 49% um, uh, for the top 10 videos and a 31% on the, uh, on the median. So if you are you know, wanting some interesting stuff about audience retention, there you have it. And let's see if my live is still going. And it looks like it's still going. Okay, good. So I was able to do that and didn't uh, work out. So yeah. So in terms of you know uh, retention, if that's what you're looking for, um, hopefully that uh, hopefully that helped in terms of uh, information there. So that chart, um, it's on my phone. But this is one of the things about Vid Summit is it wasn't this year. I think it was last year, um, I believe, um, where he shared this particular uh, graph and he just shared the chart on on this. So, uh, uh, but I've also I've shared it on Reddit also. Like I've I've written it out textually um, on Reddit as well. Um, so, so we've definitely got that. Um, let's see here. So we've got uh, Godin Financiero. We did that one already. So then next up, we've got. Um, the best loyalist is our uh, is our next channel here. The next loyalist say the best loyalist. Sorry about that. They upload one time per week or more. They have gaming content. The goal of the channel is to get a fan base. It's water and coffee, by the way, not not two coffees. Um, the goal is to get a fan base. The question is, how can I optimize thumbnails for clicks? Great question. Okay. So when it comes to optimizing your thumbnails for clicks, here's what you want to think about. First, make sure that, that what the viewer would care about the most is the most prominent in the thumbnail. Make sure that there's nothing that is distracting from it. So for example, um, when I was at VidSummit, I was looking at a, um, there's a group of gamers um, that I was looking at all their channels and they were doing things that um, they were cool, but they were very distracting. So um, like, for example, one of them had these like really bright, like neon borders around their thumbnail. And with that neon border, it ended up in the top uh, left. It ended with like a little logo thing up here that was also part of that like bright neon color. So they were prioritizing their branding over clarity for the viewers that they were trying to reach, right? So all of that stuff was pulling attention to their logo, but it was pulling away from the thing that would grab somebody's attention at a glance, right? Um, another one of them 
they were doing some really cool artwork. So they draw their thumbnails. And when they're drawing their thumbnails, they also have this character of their own that they use in all of their thumbnails. And that was the priority. So what you have to think of in that particular situation is that's cool on the branding side. But when it comes to somebody identifying that it's about a game or a particular game that they want to play or that they want to watch somebody else play, in that particular case, that drawing of your own character that you made that has nothing to do with the game is not the thing that's going to to you know, help somebody identify that that content is about something that they care about. It, it looks cool, and as a piece of art, it, it was amazing. Like he was a, an amazing artist. But in terms of helping people identify that that this is something that that they care about, well, you know, let's let's uh, let's go back to YouTube's homepage. And let, let's actually just do this in practice real quick. So um, let's see here, YouTube.com course, this is all going to be uh, stuff that's prioritized, but I'm going to show you pluses and minuses here um, based on what it is that I'm that I'm seeing on, on my homepage. Because then you can have like a visual illustration of what I'm talking about. Okay. So, okay. First off is um, this autumn wind when we're going to skip the music stuff. Um, I can make anything uh, viral, right? Fantastic, uh, you know, video. It's gotten great results. It's a really strong statement there. However, the even though he's got almost two hundred thousand views on this, which is fantastic for four days. Um, in this particular case, I think the focus on her and less. Oh, well, you know what she does? She 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 goes viral a lot. So yeah, tons of people know her. So yeah, we're we're gonna skip that one. That that one's okay. This one is solid because here for people like me that enjoy hand pan music. This ha is clear. We got the guy right here in the middle um, to where he's clearly playing the handpan. Um, this thumbnail could be better by making himself bigger in this to where, you know, he actually fills up the whole thing. And the reason that would make this better is because for desktop users um, and channel pages, you know, if it shows up on his channel page and whatnot, um, um, it just makes him a little bit bigger which means that it makes it a little bit easier for people to see him when it's at a small size. Um, but in terms of like home pages, this is great because he's centered focus. All the attention is coming in this way to him. And then you see him playing the actual uh, instrument. So for people that are into that instrument, like myself, um, that's a huge, you know, huge win. He did. He's, he's nailing it. Um, if we come down here, um, Friday night Vipe, everything isn't personal for, for this particular conversation for these guys, you know, people know Roberto, people know, um, Viper. Um, but in my opinion, I think that he's leaning too hard on the Friday night Vipe. Um, that's great for people that are already in the community, but I think it's limiting him in terms of reaching new viewership. So when it comes to Friday night Vipe, that's only going to matter to you and everything isn't personal. Both of these things, they only matter to you if you are already familiar with him or if you're already familiar with Roberto, right? That's the only reason this is going to gonna matter. Um, so instead, in my opinion, instead of optimizing it around Friday Night Vipe, he should try to optimize it, you know, maybe around, you know, the person that he's talking to, which is still not, gr not great in terms of the best thing to do. But... Um, one thing that he should also do is just try to optimize the entire thing around um, the specific topic itself, right? Because here, um, you know, Friday Night Vipe, which by the way, best practice wise, YouTube recommends that you put any like episode names, episode numbers, um, you know, uh, playlist names. If you put your channel name, your title, anything like that, put all that stuff at the end and then your actual title goes to the front, right? You want to prioritize the thing that's going to help a viewer identify, again, that your content's about something they might care about.
But in this particular one, um, I think just a complete repackage here um, would be advantageous for them. Um, here, this one, um, this new After Effects update's insane. You see here how he's focused on the After Effects. That's that's good. Um, and in terms of how this is kind of going together, you see it kind of steps up like right up into this. So it kind of leads you that way. Um, that's good. These colors right here are a bit competing. I think that he could probably do a little bit better there. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, this one's um, this one's OK. And really, this one would probably be just as effective or more so if all of this was gone and all of this was gone. And he just had a big like AE with the uh, crown on it, or maybe just had that really big here for suggested videos and then put, you know, 2023 winner or, you know, something like that for the thumbnail. And again, the whole idea is the focus on that thing that helps the people like if you're an After Effects user, you know that logo and it's going to grab your attention. Um, let's see here. So let's keep on uh, see what's going on down here. Why the creator looks so beautiful. Okay forget the camera. That's fine. But even here, right? Like even though this did great, so this is probably a great video, like um, that's probably great in terms of retention, but in terms of the thumbnail itself, like he has this right here for the people that are watching, you know, that particular uh, movie. However, um, you know, also putting something like prominent here um, that is from the actual movie, because here what you're, what he's relying on in this particular case is he's relying on people reading the title. He's not trying to capture their, their attention from the thumbnail. So because of that, I believe that if he focused the attention on still have this behind the scenes stuff, right? So it's like, hey, we're kind of, you know, pulling the curtain back on this. I love that concept. But just putting something prominent in here, like one of the main characters from that, that would help people that are into uh, the creator, help them identify at a glance, right? That's the whole game at a glance, help them identify that it's about that, um, I think would be a win. But anyway, you get the idea. The, the, the whole thing is just about, uh, you know, just helping people identify what, you know, what it is that, that you're doing. Like here, you know, the Blackmagic box camera update, you see how they, you know, focused mostly on this stuff. And then they also did the text, right? They did Blackmagic box camera up here. So if you are a Blackmagic user and you had any interest in this camera whatsoever, then this particular case, it lets you know, like, hey, they, they've, you know, they've got some stuff going on here. But yeah, all those are great. Plus, like the the visual thing that he's doing here, this is also good in terms of um, just best practices, just for you know for those of you that are just thinking of different things to do with your thumbnails. Because here, you know, they just have the like, hey, this is where things are going rough. This is where things are great. Um, and then here's where you're winning. Here's where you're losing. Type of thing to where it creates a oh, I wonder what happened here. So I'm going to go down and read the title. Right. So the game is I'm going to grab their attention. Right. And then they're going to read the title after they grab after I grab their attention or they're going to click straight through. That's that's what you're trying to do. All right. Let's uh, let's get back into the questions here. But anyway, I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, walk down that uh, walk down that rabbit hole there a little bit just because uh, one, you know, since, uh, you know, since I'm doing the solo stream today, since uh, D and Daniel are doing the StreamYard stream here in a little bit, um, you know, it gives me the opportunity to, you know, just take some time to highlight some stuff like that, too. Um, but let's see here. So let's keep on going. So we've got uh, number 12, 
We've got uh, playing the mom game, playing the mom game. Um, they upload one time per week or more. They do lifestyle and decluttering content. The goal of the channel is to make an income. The question is, I have a few different topics on my channels. I figure out the direction and I think my topics could serve the same audience, but is there a way in analytics to tell if that's actually happening or should I pick one and go with that? Um, so you do have the, the new and returning viewer thing. So they do show you stats inside of your analytics that show you per video, new and returning viewers, and they show you at the channel level, the new and returning viewers um, as well. So you can use that to figure out um, if you are going, if you're getting in front of you know new people or people that are only subscribed to the channel. Um, that's where you see that. But in terms of the same audience, not so much. In terms of like, you know, if you're making a, a channel for people or you had, and I'm just using this as like a, you know, demonstration, but basically like if you had a cooking channel and you had like vegan content and then you had like carnivore content, then in those particular cases, you know, you can't necessarily see um, like, you know, are the specific people that are watching the vegan content, are they also watching the carnivore? Um, you can't see, you know, that particular uh, crossover there, but you can see new uh, and, and returning uh, and returning viewers. Um, but, but one thing to think about is just think about it from your end, um, in terms of knowing your audience, know who, knowing who it is you're trying to reach and think about it through the lens of like, okay, um, if the goal is to make an income and your channel is lifestyle and decluttering, and you do have those few different topics, just think to yourself, right? Like just run it through the filter of, okay, if somebody were to watch the last video that I published, this video that I'm getting ready to publish would they also watch this? The people that were interested in that. Um, would most of those people also watch this next video I'm getting ready to publish? If the answer is yes, then you're making a good move. If the answer is probably not or I'm not really sure, then in that case, um, keep working on it. Um, let's see here. So uh, next up, Ernie, my pleasure. Glad that uh, you enjoyed that. Ty, what's going on? Hope that you were doing fantastic. And uh, really quick, just a quick check in here to TikTok. So I'm also live over on uh, TikTok, by the way. If you're not following me on TikTok, make sure you head over there and um, and follow my TikTok account also. Because after the stream is over, I might, uh, you know, kind of sit there and chat uh, a little bit too. Because I'm a little bit more loose on TikTok uh, than I am here. So uh, let's see here. So next up. We've got uh, Dark Bites. Dark Bites, uh, they do long-form interviews and reviews for horror creators. The goal of the channel is to be every horror lover's go-to destination for discovering their next favorite horror creator or to learn about their current favorites. The question is, I see folks using movie clips in their videos. I imagine this kills their monetization. Is there a way to either safely sample movie trailers or site provides a great variety of videos to use my videos for B-roll? So when it comes to... Um, Oh, old Trish, you are not too old for TikTok. There's there's literally cr TikTok creators that are 100 years old. Like literally 100 years old. I watched this guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I I'm, I can never remember TikTokers names, but um there's this guy, he's always in my feed. I'm, I I follow him over there. And I'll answer this question right here in a second, but just really quick for uh for uh old Tish, Trish here. So, um, uh, basically he's a hundred years old. All of his videos get crushed with views. Um, and basically he just sits there and just like shares stories from his life. Um, and, and people just absolutely eat him up. Um, there's an older lady on there as well. I think she's either over a hundred or she's getting close to it. Um, uh, same thing. She just tells like stories and stuff and people love her. Um, there's a lady on Instagram reels. 
Um, she might be on TikTok and stuff too. I'm not sure, but I just found her on Reels. Um, uh, I didn't find her. I was actually visiting my mom. My mom was watching some like daytime talk show garbage stuff. And uh, they happened to have this uh, lady on there. I think she was like 79, um, might've been 89, 79, 89, something like that. Um, but she has like a big Instagram following. And uh, basically her whole thing is she's just like some spicy, you know, lady. And like one of her things that she said is uh, when they were like talking to her, or whatever, she's like, oh yeah, cause I'm a bad, you know, you know, put in the B word there. Just, you know, just that super spicy and attitude type thing or whatever, but they love her, right? Like they absolutely love her and her vibe her, for her community. Um, but in terms of, you know, being too old to do any of this stuff, those days are gone. Like, um, you know, when I first started on YouTube, I, I had the same thoughts, you know, cause I was in my thirties and I was like, man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm starting something in my thirties that is like a kid's game, right? Is what I thought. And, um, and because of that, I almost didn't do it boy, would I have made a mistake if I didn't do it. But um, uh, I almost didn't do it because of that. And since then, and even at that time, there were older creators then too. But like now, you have older, a lot of older creators on YouTube. You have a lot of older creators on TikTok, on Instagram, like all over the place. Like, like uh, there's that. And then going into the future, like this stuff is fun. It's a way to stay connected to people. It's a way to make extra money for like retirement and things like that. Like the amount of, of, you know, influx that we're going to have here, um, especially in the very near future, um, you know, with things getting harder and things like that, you know, in the world with inflation and all that, um, I think in the very near future, um, you know, there's going to be a huge influx of, you know, an older population that is going to be making content, um, at scale. Some people are going to, you know, are, are going to come in and, and they're going to have a hard time. Other people are going to come in and they're just going to knock it out of the park. Um, but I think that overall though, there's going to be a huge influx of, uh, of, 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 of older, older folks. So let me get off of that rant real quick. Fly ride. What's up, man? Hope you are doing fantastic. Nikki, hope you are doing great. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the stream. Um, so let's see here. So next up we've got, I'm going to close this. Okay. So next up we have uh, dark bites. Okay. Oh, you know what? I don't even think I answered that question. So let me go down here really quick. So the question was, oh yeah, the sample movie clips. Okay, so here's the thing. If you take a clip out of a movie, even if it's three seconds or whatever, um, you are putting yourself at risk for getting a copyright violation. So because of that, just make sure that you do not use something that you don't have permission to use. If you do, then just keep in mind that you are putting yourself at risk. You can use stuff if you use it in a fair use way, but you have to be able to make sure that you are using it in a fair use way because a lot of times people will take clips and they'll use it for something and they'll think they're using it in a fair use way just because it's a real small amount. Um, but in reality, they're not using it in a way that's fair use and they are putting all of the hard work that they put into their channels. They're putting all of that at risk. History Facts says, what do you, uh, and, and this is from TikTok, says, um, do you prefer we watch you on TikTok or YouTube? I prefer you watch me wherever is the most convenient for you. Um, for me, um, as long as, you know, like if you are enjoying, you know, the content and you're getting value out of this, um, I don't care where you watch it, as long as you are watching it and you're getting out of it what it is that you are, you know, trying to get out of it. Um, that's, you know, if you listen to it in the background, like if you listen to the podcast version, that's fine with me. If you listen on TikTok or YouTube, you know, either way it goes, um, totally cool with me. Um, I'm just happy that you are, you know, involved and you are, uh, that you, you know, are finding value in the content. 
So whatever is the best for you is the best for me. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. So next up, we've got, um, nope, we did that one already. And we did trying to learn bikes already. So next up, we got Mike the Mechanic. Mike the Mechanic, um, they upload one time per week or more. They do long form uh, channel. The goal of the channel is to educate and um, or education and fun. The question is, if I change the title and or thumbnail of a video that is already uploaded, could that help it to get more views? Absolutely, and it can also hurt it. So when you are uploading videos to YouTube, if you make any changes to the thumbnail or title, that can cause the people that are being presented that content to respond to it differently. So if they respond differently in a good way, then your video can perform better. But if they respond differently in a bad way, then that can actually hurt the video. So because of that, um, just be very you know intentional with the changes that you're making. Um, also, don't try to sit there and just like change stuff all the time. Instead, think to yourself, right? Like, okay, is does this thumb? What about this thumbnail? Um, helps people identify it's something they care about. Is that being focused on? Yes. Okay. Check. Two. Um, what about this title is compelling that will cause somebody that is interested in this type of thing to want to click on it. And then once you identify those two things, then just let it sit. Um, so publish the video. If you do find based on, you know, your averages that you have across your channel, that it's way underperforming, then change it from there. But when it comes to publishing your videos on YouTube, sometimes right out of the gate, it doesn't do that great. But long term, it ends up doing fine, right? So because of that, um, you know, don't always just go into like panic mode and change something. Um, instead, be like, okay, um, I'm going to commit to this because it's clear to me when I'm putting it together that this is going to be the thing that's going to help them identify it. This is going to be the thing that's going to pull them in. Um, and then, you know, trust your own instincts on that. And then from there, let it sit. And then if if you let it sit for a while, let's say like a couple of weeks and you're not getting like any activity at all, then in that particular case, then, you know, you might want to go in and change it. Um, or if you are getting a lot of impressions on it and you identify, you know, the averages across your channel and you're like, hey, with this many impressions, I'm usually around this on my high performing videos, then in that particular case, then that's where, you know, you would make one of those changes if you're, you know, getting regular views. Um, let's see here. Next up on the list here. And by the way, give this a uh, thumbs up. If you are enjoying this on YouTube or over on TikTok. make sure you uh, smash that thumbs up. Make sure you smash the heart buttons, all the, all the stuff that you have the options to hit, go ahead and go ahead and hit it except for the dislike. Don't hit that one. Hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So next up we have, uh, this is number 17. So uh, we've got a tinfoil hat scholar. Love it. Love the channel name. Uh, the type of channel is personal. The goal of the channel is to share personal plus critical health info. The question is, my channel is about half about hiking, about my hiking with cats. Do you have a country or best destination for moving to that I could take my cats to? That's interesting. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the what the requirements are for um, for cats. Um, unfortunately, wish I could help you with that, um, but I'm not not really sure. Legal minded friends, thank you for the thumbs up. Appreciate it. So, uh, so here, so next up, we have Blue Harvest Toys. Blue Harvest Toys. Um, they do daily content. Um, they have a collecting channel. The goal of the channel is to give out knowledge about toys. And the question is, I'm not getting the views that I think I should be. Please help. 
Okay. So first off, when it comes to the views that you think you should be, um, I'm curious to know what it is that you think you should be getting. Uh, I'm not sure if you're still here, you know, um, in the chat right now, but I would be super curious to know what you think. Um, Blue Harvest Toys, are you still here? If you're still in the chat, just say, just say uh, me, just so I can know if you are, if you're still here or not. Yeah, and the reason, Poodle Professor, what's going on? Hope you're doing great. The uh, the reason I'm asking is because, uh, you know, before I answer this question, because, um, you know, like I might look at the channel. So uh, uh, if I'm going to look at the channel, I just want to make sure you're here for it. I'm going to give you just a couple more seconds here. And if not, we'll, we'll just skip this one and go on. But one thing, just, you know, for anybody else here, like, um, you know, if you are not getting the views that you, you know, think that you should be getting on your videos, keep in mind that, you know, um, YouTube is a system based on response. So when we make something as creators, we make it based on our own opinions and based on our own biases. And we work on something and then we get it to the point to where we say to ourselves, like, yeah, this is this is good. I'm putting this out. That level may or may not be competitive, right? So just because we think that it is a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get received in that way, right? So because of that, that's why it's so important to make sure that you are paying attention to the data that you're getting on your on your content and seeing exactly how people are responding to what it is that you're doing so that you can make decisions on on things that you need to improve upon based on how people are responding to what it is that you're doing right in a in a perfect world in a perfect world we would just publish whatever we want and then people would just come in and love it right but if we're making content for ourselves Right. Because it's a passion project and we're just following our passion. We're putting content out there, you know, just as our, you know, for ourselves. Then in that particular case, you know, if you're making it for yourself, then you shouldn't be worried about views in the first place. But if you are making content for other people to enjoy, then it's important to make sure that you're thinking about fine tuning things to make it easier for people to enjoy that content, right? Because if somebody else is going to be, you know, enjoying it, there's certain things that need to be in place for people to enjoy, you know, what it is that we're making. So because of that, um, you know, it's important to make sure that you're, that you're just trying to, you know, ride that balance, so to speak, in terms of like, this is what, you know, this is what I like, but then I also need to do it in a way that other people, you know, will also respond well to it so I can reach a lot more people and share my love for whatever it is that you're doing on your channel so I can share that love with, uh, you know, with everybody else that you're trying to reach. Walter's World in the house. What's up, man? Hope you are doing fantastic. Nice seeing you at uh, Vid Summit, man. Looking forward to you uh, coming over here. Next up, we got Speak Spanish Now. Um, Speak Spanish Now does um, edutainment channel speaking, uh, teaching Spanish. The goal of the channel is to help those who are looking to utilize functional Spanish in an everyday setting. And the question is, I'm, I'm going to try a new way of uploading my upcoming VOD simply because I like the video quality better than my webcam. I want to mesh the Google Slides presentation with the vlog style and the edit. Should I just play the vlog style and record my slideshow in my editing program slash StreamYard and then mesh the two together in the final edit? I hope this makes sense. Okay. 
So um, when you are doing your slides and you are doing the videos, um, you could edit your video itself and then play the slides on top of that and like screen record it or something and then just kind of flip through the slides. But, you know, if you have a little bit of error there, then it might cause frustration of having to go back if you hit the slide button on accident and things like that. So what you might want to do is build out your slides. And then once you build out your slides, um, export each individual slide that you are going to be, you know, showing. And then in your editing software, I'm not sure what you're using to edit, but if you're using um, uh, like, let's say Camtasia, or if you're using Premiere, you're using CapCut or DaVinci Resolve, then in that particular case, they all have the option. Hey, what's up, Trey? Nice to see you, man. But the, uh, uh, they all have the option to where you can have your main track uh, down there in the bottom. And then you can add additional footage or graphics or whatever on top of that on, on top of that main track. So um, we call that main track your A roll, right? That's basically like the main footage of the video. Um, and then from there, you have your B roll, which is you know the additional footage that you would add. And then of course you can add graphics and things like that as B roll as well. So what you would do is you would have the main timeline, um, which is your you know A roll as it you know progresses through time, and then wherever you would need to insert that slide, you would just import the image into your, you know, into either the editing software on your computer, or you can also do it in the apps on your phone. Um, but you would import it into that and you would just put it on top of that, you know, main track. And then you would just shrink the size of it in terms of how long it's showing on screen based on, you know, whenever it is that you need it to appear and then disappear. And then you would just rinse and repeat that process for all the additional slides that you want to uh, show up. So hopefully that makes sense. Man, so so Trey's in here right now, Trey Jackson. So uh, we did a uh, uh, a con we had a conversation uh, at a Vid Summit. Man, like I've been on a lot of podcasts and stuff. I've done a lot of you know collaboration videos on YouTube. Done a lot of live streams and things like that. But man, he's cutting through like like you know normally the questions like how do you get started on YouTube like things like that. Like he's going like deep. Like he was getting into my soul. Like like <laughs> like his conversation. Like, uh, like he left me thinking the whole rest of the day, like even on the flight back, I'm like, huh, like just kind of, you know, like going internal with, uh, with a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the questions that he was asking me really, uh, really deep stuff, man. I loved that conversation. Thank you for that, by the way, really, really good stuff. Um, build with Mooney says they do woodworking content. Um, the goal of the channel is to share and teach. The question is, um, I finally reached the first big aha moment in my YouTube journey. I'm right at six months. The moment was building up learning from my data and practicing with shorts formatting. And I feel confident that I can put out almost any short now that I get a bunch of views and keep driving views and subscribers. Thanks, Nick. You have been a big part of my journey. And now I need to get that same uh, momentum with my long form content. No question. Just a big thank you. Awesome. Glad that you have kind of, you know, crack that nut for like a, you know, lack of a better way to say it. So uh, congratulations to you for that. And, um, and, you know, if you're able to do it on shorts and you're understanding like what's going on there, then in that particular case, you know, you should be able to transfer a lot of that information um, in terms of how you're analyzing everything over to the long form content too. So nice work on that. Um, let's see here. Ty's Super hot mess history. Tight. Says, uh, this is a question I got from a blind content creator. Is there an app that will select a thumbnail from a video? I told him that YouTube offers three when you upload, but he wanted more options. Um, so technically, in almost, well, I'm not going to say all video editing apps, but one thing that I can say 
is that when it comes to uh, most of the editing apps that I've played with, um, you can export individual shots. So you can say like, okay, um, whatever it is that, that, you know, that's showing on the screen right now, I can export that as an image and then you can use that image as a thumbnail. Um, so they can definitely, they can definitely do that. Um, um, so it's going to depend on the particular video editor that they're using it or that they're using. Um, but most of the, uh, video editors that I've, you know, messed with or that I use like Camtasia, for example, um, they, they have that. Um, let's see here. Is TikTok edited video or straight from the phone? It's your call. You can do whatever you want over there. So like right now I'm live streaming over there. Um, so you can live stream, you can upload videos, you can do whatever you want. Like, um, uh, for me, I'll do some edited stuff. Like if I make a short for my, for, for this channel, um, then in that case, you know, I'll drop it over there. If it's like, you know, got a little bit of production value to it or whatever. Um, and then other times, like, um, right before this stream started, as an example, um, I uploaded a video there to where I'm literally sitting there. It, it just stalled out at like 395 views, but basically like, I'm just sitting there with my phone and I just go like this and I'm like, this is my live streaming setup. Uh, before I go live, I have my YouTube chat here, my stream yard here, my YouTube questions there. And it's just one thing unedited, 100% unedited. And, uh, and then I uploaded that. So like you can do, you know, you can do whatever, whatever you like over there. Like, um, because I'm geo locked, I thought I had it figured out with a USM card, but it d didn't seem to matter. But because I'm geo locked over here, um, I'm just going to make my TikTok a free for all unless I decide to send my videos to a friend in the States or somebody over there and then have them upload from that side. Fly flow. Um, if you want to shoot me an email, uh, if you want to shoot me an email at, uh, ask at gmail.com, um, then, you know, we can have that, uh, we can have that conversation, but I'm, you know, as long as we can line up time zones and, you know, things like that, then, um, then, then it should be okay. And as long as, you know, the, with the people that you are reaching with your content, as long as we have alignment there, um, in terms of the audience, um, in terms of me being able to provide some type of like real value, um, then in that particular case, then, then I'm down. Yeah, by geo-locked, what I mean is um, TikTok, because I'm in, I'm in Thailand. So what happens is um, if like when I'm in the States and I published a video there, my audience is like 98% US audience. Um, when I publish here, it's like that in reverse, but it's a Thai audience. So, um, so because of that, um, uh, you know, fortunately, I've been able to, you know, send some of you from here over to there. So some of you will also, you know, um, get that over there as well. Um, but which also helps me get in front of some more U.S. people. But like at the time of publish, it's usually um, it's usually mostly uh, Thai people. Even my live stream today, when I started it, um, that it was also mostly Thai people. And as a matter of fact, yeah, I think one like I've only got a few people watching right now. I think I got like four or five people watching. And um, yeah, I think from what I can see right here, it looks like maybe two or three um, out of those are, are Thai people. So, but you know, it's fine. Not a big deal. That's how they choose to run their system. So I either have to figure out a way around it or I just play by their rules and, you know, just, uh, just serve, you know, locally. So, uh, let's see here. So next up on our list, we have, um, see so here, build with Mooney. We asked, answered that one already. I think, yeah, woodworking. So let me go to the next one here. 
And by the way, if you are just joining us, we're talking about everything, um, you know, related to YouTube. So if you're a content creator and you are publishing videos to YouTube, my entire YouTube channel helps content creators learn how to thrive on the platform. So if you are not subscribed, make sure that you do subscribe. And um, if you have a question about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description where you can put your question and, um, and I'm answering them in the order that they, um, that they're coming in. And it's free too. Like you don't have to do anything. You, all you have to do is put your question down there and then, um, and then it'll get answered as long as I get to it before the stream's over. So uh, my angry troll um, is the next channel here. They upload every other day. They have a gaming and horror channel. The goal of the channel is to hit 4,000 watch hours. The question is when uploading videos, does the tag section work or should we not worry so much um, about adding a bunch of tags in that section? So this is one of those situations where using TubeBuddy, for example, is great because there they give you tag suggestions and you just quickly click, you know, whatever. Um, YouTube, uh, they say that, you know, tags don't really matter anymore, but they do matter for misspellings. So that doesn't really align, <laughs> right? It's like, do they matter or do they not? Um, but when it comes to that, uh, my recommendation is that use the box until they take it away. Um, as soon as it 100% doesn't matter anymore or it's not relevant in any way, um, then they'll, you know, they'll code it out. So, um, so because of that, as long as the box is there, use it. Don't spend a lot of time. You don't have to like spend hours keyword researching your tags and all that stuff. Just think to yourself, how, you know, what keywords are relevant to this particular video, and then just put those in there. Um, let's see here. So next, hey, thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got, okay, the channel. Um, it looks like we've got a few different channels here. Um, but the type of channel is a kid's channel. And the goal of the channels to eventually have the day job that they love um, would be great to get monetization level one day. Question is, I'm growing three channels at the same time, about a year now, because of different content. How would YouTube be with this? It's fine. Like, if you are, if you're putting unique content on three different channels, you can have a hundred different channels if you want. Um, as long as you're putting unique content, um, you know, up on each one of those channels, then you're fine. But it says, how would YouTube be with this um, from the AI perspective, especially one of the channels being a kid's one? I'm learning daily, um, but I'm not sure that I'm missing something. I've seen uh, Daryl Eves through your live streams too. Um, so I started to watch him and all it's all making sense. I'm enjoying and I hope that I find the sweet spot one day with my channels. Many thanks for your vids. Love them. Thanks, Kimberly. So glad that you're enjoying the content, Kimberly. So yeah, when you are, uh, you know, when you're uploading videos to YouTube, as long as you're uploading unique content to each individual channel, you're good. Um, each individual channel is treated differently and it's about the audience for each individual channel. So, you know, when you're publishing videos to the platform, as long as, uh, you know, Hey, this is the audience I'm trying to reach with this channel. This is the audience I'm trying to reach with this channel. And this is the audience I'm trying to reach with this channel. And then the content that you're publishing is only content that's going to serve that particular audience. In that particular case, you are, uh, you're good to go. Um, let's see here. Great question. I'm answering this one out of the, um, out of the comments right now. Um, just because I know this is a common question that people have. So I just want to answer this in case there's anybody here, um, that has, you know, this, uh, you know, happening as well, but they say, why are my public watch hours not updating in the earn section? I'm at 2,840 for the last 48 hours, but analytics show, um, 3,100. So a, a couple of different things to think about. One um, is that it takes time for everything to sync up. 
because they have to verify everything, just like they verify views, they verify the watch time as well to make sure that nobody's running bots or trying to game the system in some way. Um, two, keep in mind that with your public watch hours, because it's all you know, um, 365 days you know, um, uh, rolling. So if you've been making videos for a while, like more than a year, then the watch time that you accumulated this time last year, we'll say yesterday, that fell off right? That fell off yesterday. Um, yesterday of last year, right? The videos you made then fell off yesterday this year, right? Um, and then the videos that you are publishing today, that watch time is going to fall off next year um, today for those videos. So because it's rolling, one of the things that happens is people will be like, hey, why is my watch time you know, decreasing? It's because you, know, you have watch time falling off as you have new watch time coming in. So because of that, what you have to do is um, you know once you hit that 4,000 hours and once you get in, you're going to be fine, but you have to maintain that 4,000 hours. But the whole idea with that 4,000 hours and the 1,000 subscribers for the ad, you know, for the ad revenue is, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's basically the process of getting your content to that, you know, performance level to where it's not going to be a problem for you to maintain that 4,000 hours over the course of, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, the, the next year, um, as an example. So, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, decreasing, then, uh, it's that if you've been on YouTube for over a year, um, and if it's just, you know, not syncing up, right. Then in that particular case, it's just their system verifying views and verifying watch time and everything. Oh, you're only at three months. Okay, then in that case, um, the the syncing up thing um, could just be YouTube verifying the views. Engineer your life. Thank you for the super, super chat. Says, um, hey, Nick, Yuli here. Um, it was awesome meeting you at Vid Summit. Thank you so much for your time and great advice and also for being so genuine and truly caring about others' journeys. Same for Roberto. Hi, Roberto. <laughs> so likewise, uh, nice meeting you there um, as well. And my pleasure. I'm glad that you are enjoying the uh, content and I'm glad that you are liking the uh, the whole vibe, you know, so to speak that, uh, you know, that comes out of here. You know, one of the things, you know, for me when it comes to VidSummit is uh, it really inspires me because of the conversations that I get to have with creators. And uh, those conversations really kind of light a fire under me um, every year to where, you know, kind of help, it kind of helps me kind of look at things with kind of fresh eyes every year. Um, so, you know, all of those conversations that I am fortunate enough to have, you know, with content creators like yourself, um, they're just super, you know, super helpful for me too. Like as much as, you know, the content helps you, those conversations and, you know, the feedback and all that stuff, um, that, that helps me with what it is that I do also. So, you know, it, it, it goes both ways. And I thank you um, for, you know, for that as well. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Also on the watch time thing, um, Doug mentioned that the videos need to remain public um, as well. Just a quick side uh, thing there. Yeah, good thing there, Doug. I forgot to uh, mention that. So next up, we have that junk man. Um, that junk man. Um, they do pop culture from the '70s and '90s. That's cool. Gold the channels to give fans uh, the pop culture something different than other channels. And the question is, if I get an item to free review during a video for a company, do I need to mark it as paid promotion or just when I'm paid with money? Yeah, any exchange. So if you are um, if you are getting something in exchange for making the content. Then in that particular case, um, then yes, you have to mark it. So for example, if Rode sent me this and I was making a video with this, then technically I need to, you know, if I made a video about this and Rode sent this to me, 
then that would be a paid promotion because if they didn't send this to me, I would have had to pay money for it, which gives this monetary value, right? So because of that, if they send you something, then yes, absolutely, you need to uh, you need to uh, you need to disclose that it's paid. Technically, I haven't seen one of these in a while. That's interesting. Go ahead and get those out of there. Uh, let's see here. Boom. Hide user. And let's go ahead and remove these two. Just to make sure. There we go. Okay. Um, let's see here. So next up, um, we have it's Karen Sawyer. Super Thank you for the super chat, Karen. Says, um, hello, my channel's about empty nest lifestyle. I stopped uploading. Um, I just started uploading again, one per day. Should I continue once per day or publish as fast as I can edit? So what I recommend, it, this is a great question. So, you know, if you are wanting to do this for a long period of time, like if you're wanting to, you know, turn YouTube into something that, um, that you can, you know, depend on for, um, you know, a way to connect with people, or you want to depend on it as like a side income or a main, you know, like your primary income, you know, or something like that in the future, then in that particular case, um, I would pick an upload schedule and I would stick to it. So if you think that you can do daily content for the next five years, um, then in that particular case, stick with daily content. But if you're like, you know what, two videos a week, or maybe three videos a week might be the might be the thing for me, um, you know, over the course of like a five year period, then in that particular case, pick the days that you're going to upload and upload to those days religiously. Um, and the whole idea there is just creating that cadence with your schedule in terms of your upload. So the people that are really into your content, they can know, you know, um, you know what to expect from you. But in addition to that, um, it also helps you work that process of creating and publishing content into your lifestyle in a comfortable way to where it's not stressful, right? Because like uploading daily content, um, for short sprints, that's fine. But like when you are doing that consistently for, for a very long period of time, um, it can end up putting you into like burnout. Some people can handle it better than others. Um, but, but for, you know, a nice amount of people, it, it, it results in burnout. So because of that, just be, just be careful with a cadence like that, like get it right. Like get it. Like if you're like, yeah, I, I, I can do it. No problem. Then get it. But, um, but if you are like, you know what, you know, let me, pace myself a little bit to make sure that I don't burn out. Um, that's, that's always my default recommendation just because, you know, the, the opportunity that we have here on YouTube, um, to, you know, reach people with our content and impact people with our content and the benefits that we get, you know, from all of that, um, are pretty substantial, especially over a period of time. Um, and because of that, if you are somebody that comes in and, and you go hard like that, and then you end up burning out, you might end up costing yourself that opportunity because it ends up being too stressful and, you know, all of that as the pressure builds. Because as you start getting more and more people involved with what it is that you're doing, you know, it can create a lot of additional pressure. And then that pressure can also kind of help lean on, you know, pushing you into burnout and stuff like that. So because of that, just make sure that you are being mindful of those things um, and just try to try to publish at a cadence that you're going to be able to do for a, a long period of time, even if life gets in the way and stuff like that, because right here you say you stopped uploading because of life, right? So if you were not uploading once a day, but instead you're uploading two to three times per week, then you probably, but still making content at the same pace, then you would have had enough content in the queue 
to continue on while you were having, you know, those things that you were dealing with um, that occupied your time, you would have been able to continue publishing content um, during those times as well if you would have, you know, kind of paced it out that way. Also keep in mind, um, I'm not sure where you are in your journey. I'm actually going to go look really quick um, because another thing to also make sure that you're mindful of is when you are, hold on really quick. Um, it's Karen Sawyer. Okay, so right hey. now you're at 350 subscribers. Let me see what you're doing. Three hours, 22 hours. Yeah, you're doing daily content. So yeah, so um, um, just w one thing that I would I would definitely do is um, is I would pace yourself. Another thing that I would do based on like some of the numbers that I'm seeing here is I would also slow it down just a little bit for the sake of spending some of your time on like learning and, and skill development. And what I mean by that, and I mean this respectfully, but what I mean by that is uh, when it comes to this, back in the day, upload just mass uploading to YouTube, that used to work, right? Because there wasn't as much content, um, it wasn't as competitive and all of that. But as YouTube has fine-tuned their systems towards viewer satisfaction, all of that has changed. And now you can't just upload something like, hey, I just recorded this thing on my phone and I'm just going to upload it. Instead, you have to, you know, be a little bit more intentional with what it is that you're doing. You have to, you know, start putting content together in a way that through the, you know, analysis that you're doing on your current vids that you, you know, figure out that your audience, you know, responds to structurally. Um, and then, you know, once you have that, then you pretty much just rinse and repeat that process once you figure out how to do that. Um, but I would, I would slow down on the daily uploads. And I would, you know, pace yourself in terms of, you know, the amount of content that you're putting out, but I would spend some time on like, you know, um, learning how to edit videos, um, learning how to, uh, you know, make uh, thumbnails, um, because that's going to be super important, um, learning how to write uh, better titles that are more compelling and that, you know, that will that will directly appeal um, to somebody, because like some of the things that you are talking about, like um, Fair Play, Netflix, movie review, and you just have that broken down by a bar um, on each side of Netflix. Um, those types of titles, like they can work because they're informative, but there's there's no real meat there, right? There's no like, well, what is it about this? Like, what is it I'm going to actually get out of this, right? So, like, learning how to do those things is going to is going to benefit you more long term than just mass uploading a bunch of content, right? So, because of that, I would just kind of pull back just a little bit and and spend you know some of that daily time on the skill development side so that you can get a better response from each of the videos that you, uh, that you upload. Um, let's see here. Next, next up on our list. Um, let's see here. So over here on TikTok, they say, hello, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Sawadee cop to cone. Um, let's see here. All right. So, uh, next up we've got, oh, we had another super chat come in. Let me, um, answer this one here really quick. Also. Freaking awesome. Uh, you've already been a channel member, so you know the spiel in terms of the, going to nimmonvip.com, the Facebook group, all that stuff. Uh, let's see here. So next up we have uh fine tip. 
with Creative super Studio. Chat. Thank you for the super chat. It says we lost monetization for reused content. Um, it was a short. We deleted it and reapplied, um, but are still not getting accepted into the YouTube Partner Program. Why? Um, it could be just because you, you know, did have that. Um, it could be that now that you're kind of on their radar, so to speak, for using uh, reused content. They might be, you know, analyzing things, you know, a little bit more than, you know, they were in the past. Um, one thing, it uh, looks like you're doing some original stuff here as long as this is your content. Hold on real quick. Yeah, this this looks like your content. Yeah, it looks like you're doing original stuff here. Um, so one thing that I would do in your particular case is I would reach out to Team YouTube on Twitter um, and see if they can, um, assist you in some way. If you keep hitting these like roadblocks of trying to get back in, um, then I would hit up team YouTube and see if they can, uh, see if they can help get you sorted because, because it looks like here that you are uploading, uh, you know, original content. So first try team YouTube. Um, if team YouTube does not work for you, um, like if they, they don't help, DM me on Twitter. Um, if you can't DM me for some reason, then just at me and then I'll follow you and then you can DM me. Um, but uh, yeah, try that. And then if they, uh, yeah, if if they can't help, then, then send me a message and then um, I can try to put you in contact with somebody that might be able to, um, to, to help there um, as well. But the first step though, is trying to get uh, team YouTube to, uh, to help. And hopefully you have a Twitter account. So just a heads up, everybody here, um, just a quick side note. So the way YouTube, um, you know, support works now is yes, you have YouTube support. Um, some of you have YouTube support directly just inside of your YouTube studio. Um, but in addition to that, um, they've kind of like offloaded their support kind of to other social media platforms, which is weird. Um, so basically, uh, you know, the, the kind of go-to for YouTube support is of course you have the, you know, help where they'll just send you canned responses. And then on team YouTube, they'll send you canned responses, but on team YouTube on Twitter, um, they actually, you know, will try to, you know, try to try to figure stuff out. If, if they like, if you're like, Hey, this is wrong and you can like, you know, give them documentation and stuff. Um, then in that case, you know, they, they help people a lot over there. Um, so everybody here should have a Twitter account or an X account, um, for that purpose, if nothing else, um, just for, if you do run into problems, bearded it dad says, great talk at vid summit. Thank you for the uh, kind words. Super appreciate it. And, um, thanks for being a member for 11 months as well. Appreciate both those things. Um, let's see here. So next up we've got. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. so the channel name is Brooke Carlock. Brooke Carlock does self-help about grief and resilience. The goal of the channel, I'm a lost survivor and grief educator providing honest talk about grief, trying to create supplemental income through one-on-one -on -one grief support and eventually programs and courses. Um, the question is I get most of my subscribers from my shorts, but ever since I started making shorts, my long form video content views have gone down. My long form videos or my long form videos are most likely what will drive people to wanting to work with me. Should I stop making shorts? No. So your shorts views are not what's causing your live stream views to go down. So it could be the decisions that you're making um, around the, you know, content in terms of like the topics that you're choosing or whatever. It could be the individual video performance. Um, it could be like um, in the, like sometimes people will 
go hard on shorts and they won't do as much in long form. And then they'll blame YouTube shorts for the lack of long form performance. And what will, what will actually be the case is they just uploaded less and, you know, things like that. So, um, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to YouTube, but in terms of your shorts content, um, making your long form content, not get views. Um, that's not like, you know, like, don't worry about that. Um, instead, Keep making sure that you are, you know, providing the value that you're trying to provide through the long form content and keep using the your audience retention reports and your click through rate and, you know, the devices people are watching your content on, the general demographic information and the new and returning viewers and all that stuff. Make sure you're using your analytics on each individual video to better understand how to make better videos for the people that are interacting with your content um, because, with what it is that you're offering specifically, like you're adding like a like a tremendous amount of value to people, helping them you know get through difficult times, um, like that you know that that's huge, and because of that, um, I would be trying to reach people in shorts, and I would also be trying to reach people in the long form content as well, um, and and in terms of you know one not affecting the other, I'm not saying that you know just so that you'll keep making the content. I'm saying that because, you know, people consume things in different ways. So, you know, with your shorts content, you could just be nailing it in shorts where people are like, oh, wow, this is great. And they keep just showing it to the right people there. And then when it comes to the long form content, you know, it could just be that, you know, sometimes you nail it, sometimes you don't like the rest of us. <laughs> and because of that, um, you know, it can, you know, it, it can, it can kind of paint the picture that maybe shorts is, is impacting it. Um, but, but the, 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 like they're looked at as two totally different things. So YouTube is building the bridge, um, the bridges between the two. So, you know, somebody enjoys your shorts content, then um, it's increasing the likelihood of YouTube recommending the long form and vice versa. So because of that, one thing that um, could be happening is that when people are interacting with your shorts content, YouTube could be, you know, showing them um, some of the long form and maybe it's just not resonating there. So they're not clicking on it. That's definitely possible. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, that happening like at scale, still wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, but I would just focus more on just trying to make the long form um, content, just a higher response. Um, and then I would keep doing the shorts um, as well. Keep in mind, um, just in case you're not using this yet, just because of the nature of what it is that you're doing, if you think that there's a good way um, or if you can think of a good way to let people know in your shorts content, Hey, by the way, I've got an entire channel, you know, of content that's going to help you with this. Click on this link right here. Or I've got this other video that's going to deep dive into this topic, you know, whatever. Click on this video here. Um, in the short shelf, we have the option now to where we can add a recommended piece of content. And then you can drive people to that content by telling them, you know, that it's available. So right now, just it, it looks kind of like a title. So it's not super clear um, for viewers yet. Um, as creators, we're more familiar with it because, you know, it's a feature, but for viewers, it's just not as clear yet. But, um, if you are driving people to that, it's also a way to, you know, get more people from your shorts content into, into the long form content where they can get to know, like, and trust you, and then later hire you for your services. Um, let's see here. Next up we've got waiting for this to load. There we go. For a second, I thought my internet went out. Okay, so uh, next up, we've got uh, Pro Fan Talk. Pro Fan Talk. They do sports and NFL content. The goal of the channel is to grow and to monetize. Um, the question is, what's the best way to stand out with sports with a uh, with sports content? 
Um, first off, when it comes to, you know, standing out in any niche on YouTube, um, you know, presenting everything in your way um, is step number one. So a lot of content creators, when they get started, they try to be other YouTubers. But when you try to be another YouTuber, then you just you just fade into the noise and you become invisible. Um, when you are presenting everything as you with your opinions, with the things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things that you stand for, um, all of those types of things, that's the type of stuff that helps people connect to you, right? So because of that, um, just make sure that you are, you know, giving, you know, the people that are watching your content, you, instead of you trying to, you know, be like other content creators, be inspired, right? Be inspired, take inspiration from people. You're like, Hey, I like how they do that particular thing or whatever. That's fine. But in terms of, you know, trying to act like another content creator, because it works for them. Um, the best thing you can do is act like yourself and figure out your own voice, um, in terms of standing out that will help you in, in more ways than, than most of the things that you can do. In addition to that, look around all of the other people who make content like yours. I know you do sports and NFL content, but in terms of exactly what it is that you offer, look and see exactly what everybody else is doing and then try to find a different way to do it. So, you know, like for example, an example I like to give of myself and a thing that helped me stand out is when I first came in um, and I started making videos for YouTube, like everybody else, I didn't know what I was doing. I got the opportunity to work on another channel with somebody else that did know what they were doing. I was able to take that information and then come back to this channel um, because this channel um, is just easier to make the content where I didn't have to like research, you know, stuff. And I was still just talking about what was in my reality at the time. I didn't have an intention of being like a YouTube help channel. So when I came back to this channel, um, I built like a website for it and all this stuff so I could monetize quickly because I had the YouTube bug. But anyway, I started uploading... Um, um, you know, to this channel again. And as part of that, um, you know, as I was talking about, you know, different things, when I did talk about YouTube stuff, I made sure that like, I didn't hold anything back. At that point in time, people were giving information freely, but there was a lot of people that were also basically kind of teasing a lot of information, but they weren't really giving it, right? And what my thing was like, well, if I know how to do something, then I'll just let people know how to do it, right? That was my whole thing. And that was really appreciated by people because then they didn't have to, you know, buy things in order to figure out how to do, you know, how to how to do this stuff. Um, so that was really helpful. In addition to that, um, at that particular moment in time, the creators who were making, you know, um, this type of content, once I did start doing more YouTube help focused stuff, um, is, you know, a lot of them were were t were approaching it from the from the standpoint of like they are the um, like coach. And then like you are, you know, the person that's trying to learn. Um, my approach was that I'm a creator like you and I'm a creative, right? And I express that in my content. And the way that I express that was, you know, instead of, instead of just me being, you know, sitting there talking, I would have when I was, you know, editing all my videos and stuff, like I would have like little sections in my, in my content where I would just stop and I would break into like a little music video just for like a few seconds. Um, or I would do, you know, something else or, you know, like whatever to kind of, you know, show that I'm also creative while I'm sharing this information. Um, I also expressed that through my set design. Um, at that moment in time, um, there wasn't anybody else that was, you know, doing, you know, the colorful stuff with their YouTube sets and all that in this space. Um, so, you know, I was like the first, you know, person to really introduce that. And I, you know, just it went really high contrast and everything with how everything looked in my videos and all of that. And I use that as another way to stand out my presentation style, um, at that moment in time, which was super fun. I might actually start doing that again from time to time, but at that moment in time, um, you know, everybody would just kind of sit and talk like I'm doing right now. 
But what I was doing, um, for those of you that were around way back in the day, um, I would basically, like I all my videos, I made them while I was standing up. Um, and then basically I would step into the camera and then I would say, you know, a part, and then I would move to one side, step into the camera again, say the part, you know, stop it, hit record again, step into the camera, say the part. And basically it made my content really dynamic. I was bouncing all over the screen and, and, and all this stuff. It was super fun to make, but it also was a thing that helped me stand out and it helped me stand out so much that people even started calling that thing. Like, you know, that thing you do where you step into the camera, like, right, like it was super noticeable um, to other people. And that was a thing that I used to stand out, right? So just looking to see like, what is it that everything else that, that everybody else is doing? And what is it that I can do to, you know, to stand out, you know, against that? So hopefully that, uh, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, really quick, six shots. Thank you, six shots says uh channel is uh slowly growing again how do you handle having more than one channel um if your views are too low do you lose monetization thanks so much so views are fine um you just need to make sure that you stay within the four thousand hours of watch time um requirement um and then you're good to go so basically you have to make sure that you st that you keep getting four thousand um watch hours every year or more and really like you're going to need to anyway like if you want to make a like any like worthwhile money on YouTube, then you're going to need to get more than that anyway. So, you know, that's, that's, that's par for the course, so to speak. Um, in terms of, you know, managing more than one channel, um, that all comes down to your workload. Like if you are somebody that, you know, is doing all this full time, it's a lot easier. Um, if you are somebody that's balancing a job and a family and, you know, school and, you know, plus YouTube, then in that particular case, you know, it can be a lot more challenging. But basically, um, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're thinking about, um, you know, uh, your workflow so that you can make sure that you can consistently over a long period of time put out content on both channels. If that requires that you, you know, have somebody that edits videos for one channel or somebody that helps you come up with ideas for one channel or somebody that helps you make thumbnails for one channel, like anything that takes you a long time um, that, that you could use the help with, you know, hiring some of that stuff out, um, is another way that people, you know, manage that sort of thing. But, um, you know, some people, if you're super efficient, some people can just, you know, roll the whole thing. They're like, yeah, I can run like eight different channels and I'm totally cool. I can do it all myself. Depending on the content type, you might be able to do that. But if the content takes a while to make, then in that particular case, um, you know, it can, it can, uh, you know, it can be helpful to hire some stuff out. Um, let's see here. So um, another super chat that we had here um, is from uh, Markinow. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Marcinow um, says, Nick, um, which one feature is best algorithm-wise, like, share, or comments? Um, likes and shares. So comments, um, comments do not impact your video performance. So uh, that particular tidbit was shared by um, Renee Ritchie, YouTube's creator liaison. Um, he shared that, you know, in one of our chats um, here during this live stream. Um, he mentioned that, uh, not this live stream, but one of the, you know, streams, it, this was probably like nine months ago, maybe even longer. It was shortly after he got that, that got that gig. But, um, but basically, um, yeah, comments don't have any impact on your video performance. Um, so likes, they do matter. Um, they are considered, right? And shares also matter. So shares matter because they can bring more people onto the platform. So if you're bringing more people onto the platform, you're starting sessions, which is good. Um, and that also gives you more people that that YouTube can start to identify other users, like them to recommend your content to and so on. So that can be helpful. But in terms of likes, 
So here's a funny one for you. So when it comes to likes and this information, you can find this, I think it's in the Google help pages. It's either there or it might be in their creator um, educational resources that they have. If you go to like youtube.com slash, I think it's like creators, I think it is, um, to where they just have free educational material for everybody. But basically um, one of the things that they share in one of those places is that when it comes to likes, and this is really interesting, but it makes tons of sense. So when it comes to likes, if you are the type of viewer where anytime somebody says, oh, hey, you know, uh, you know, make sure you like this video and you like it, like every time, like every video you watch, you like it because the creator tells you that, your likes do not carry as much weight as the like of somebody that hardly ever likes videos at all. So if somebody hardly ever likes a video at all and they like your video, that carries a lot of weight for that, you know, for that particular, you know, user because they're not somebody that normally likes videos, but but they really liked yours, so they liked it, right? Um, but if you're somebody that likes every single video because the you know creator tells you to or whatever, or you're just a creator, so you're out there just like, oh, hey, I'm hooking this creator up by hitting that like button. Um, the likes don't, you know, they, they don't matter as much. I mean, it, it it's all input and it matters, but but it just doesn't matter as much as when somebody that doesn't like um, all the time likes, which makes which makes total sense. Um, so really clever on their side to do that. Um, but when I ran across that, I thought that was really interesting, uh, really interesting information. But yeah, focus on focus on um, likes and shares uh, when it you know, when when you are uh, dealing with that. Whoa, this TikTok that I published before my uh, stream. So last time I refreshed, it was at like four, uh, 400 and something. It just jumped up to like 1911 um, over the course of like an hour. It's interesting. Supposedly, those views are inflated. So I don't know the legitimacy of this, um, but word on the street, word on these YouTube social media streets are that um, that uh, TikTok, they, uh, they give you, they basically are counting impressions as views. So people will see a lot of views on there and they're like, oh, but it's really, you know, just kind of, um, you know, in, impressions more so than somebody actually watching it for like a certain amount of time, which I thought was interesting. Don't know the full details on that. Don't even know if, you know, the thing, but that's the word. That's what they're talking about in the shadows. <laughs> dude, dude over in the, dude over in the corner with the trench coat. Like, Hey, I got some, I got some TikTok views over here. They're not like, you know, they're not like real views, but they're, you know, but, but I can get you some views like, like them. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see here. So next up we've got, I'm going to monetize. Okay. So we answered that one. Next up on our list here. Hey, another thing too, and I'm sure some of this has probably come from this live stream too, but from this being live over here on TikTok. So um, let's see here. Yeah, so I've got like nine, eh, nine, maybe 10 followers just during this live stream. So I'm not sure how many of that came from the uh, that video, and I'm not sure how many came from like here, but uh, interesting, keeping you up to date. Right on what's going on over there. So uh, let's hear. So next up, we've got uh, Pro Fan Talk. Pro Fan Talk does sports and NFL. Okay, we did that one already. So let's go to 26. There we go. All right. So next up, we've got um, I-N-E Rad. Einrad, might be how you say that. They upload when they have time. Um, it's a dance format channel. The goal of the channel is to get more views and subscribers. Question is, what am I doing wrong? Um, so it could be a lot. Of, I mean, there could be a ton of different things um, that you could be doing wrong. 
But instead of, uh, you know, thinking necessarily like what you're doing wrong, um, you'll find a faster path to success, in my opinion, um, if you start focusing on what can I do better, right? So one thing um, when people start YouTube channels is they, is they have these expectations of a lot of views because they're getting recommended content with thousands of views on it or hundreds of thousands of views on it or millions of views on it. And because of that, they expect when they publish their video, hey, this is me just like walking down the street that I should get, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of views on that video. Um, but in reality, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't work that way. So, um, you know, like on your case, one thing I can tell you that you're doing right now is you haven't uploaded in five months. And then the other long form video you did before that one was four months prior, nine months ago. And then you, uh, the, before that was a year ago. So, so the very first thing is like, you need to upload, you know, on a, on a somewhat regular basis as somebody that, you know, if, if somebody goes to your channel and they're looking at your content, mute, there you go. They come to your channel and they're looking at your content. What's going to happen is if they do find it interesting and they do decide to check out your channel page, they're going to see that you're not uploading consistently. And that means that your channel, there's no reason for them to subscribe because they can't expect more content from you. So yeah, step number one is that. And I, I see you're doing some shorts um, as well. So that's cool. Um, I would definitely, um, you know, if, if you want to keep doing shorts, that's, that's totally fine for what it is that you're doing. Um, um, but if you're talking about the long form content, you just need to be more consistent for the shorts content. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to watch, uh, one of the shorts, but, um, but one thing that I would try to do when you get the chance is, um, is I would try to work on camera quality. Um, so I would try to make those look a little bit better. Like some of the ones I was looking at, they were at nighttime and it was just like real grainy and, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, rough there. So because of that, I would definitely make sure you are, you know, just trying to improve things um, as you go along. Just do it when you can, you know, no, uh, no, you know, huge rush on that. Just do it when you can. 86 says it's all about percentage watched. It's, it's, um, percentage watch is super important without question. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts. For example, if you have a high percentage watch, but nobody's clicking, then, uh, then, you know, did you have a low amount of people watching for, for a high amount of time? But if they, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're getting outperformed on the click and the percentage viewed, um, then in that particular case, you'll end up losing to the people that are beating you there. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's definitely super important. Um, but, but it's not, you know, um, all there is, so to speak. Funnelosophy um, says that um, their channel focuses on the impacts artificial intelligence is having on digital marketing. Dig it. Absolutely dig it. I'm actually, um, I'm going to open this up for later. I might subscribe to this, actually. One cool thing about my type of content is this. Because of my comment section, like I get to explore so many cool areas of YouTube that otherwise I wouldn't have ever seen before. Um, but see here, my channel focuses on the impacts of artificial intelligence is having on digital marketing. Goal of the channel is to educate digital marketers on various strategies and tools available using AI. And the question is, should we still be using end screens? End screens. Yes, absolutely. So if you're uploading shorts content, do not add an end screen to your shorts content. But if you're uploading video content, absolutely, without question, use end screens. Um, the reason that you want to use an end screen is because you want to um, you want to lead people into that next piece of content. Um, YouTube has their up next feature and they're really good at that. Um, but 
if somebody is gets to the end of your video and they go and watch somebody else's video, then in that particular case, you just lost that particular person, right? So because of that, what you want to do is you want to get people towards the end of your video, but before you let them know that your video is coming to an end, set up that next click, right? Um, like start explaining why that next video would be relevant without saying this next video, right? And then drop the drop the in-screen graphic on them, then tell them that the video is there and tell them to go click on that video. Um, by if you do that, you'll you'll start immediately increasing the um, the amount of people clicking on your end screens. But the whole idea is if you interrupt the viewer before they get to the end screen, then they're going to end up bailing and watching something else anyway. But if you lead them into that end screen and then you give them a call to action to click on that to go and watch it, a decent percentage of people will go over there and watch that video, which will increase the amount of views that you're getting. It'll increase the amount of ad views that you're getting. It'll increase the amount of subscribers that you're getting because when people watch more than one video, they're more likely to subscribe to the channel if they didn't subscribe in the original one, those types of things. So um, so it's definitely um, advantageous to um, to add in screens because you get to continue sessions. There's so so just because there's a lot of new uh, you know content creators in here. So when it comes to YouTube, just so you know, quick, you know, educational thing about YouTube. So you have, uh, you, you have watch time and you have session time. So watch time is how long people spend on your individual video, but session time is how long they spend on YouTube. So you want as much of that session time as possible to be on your content. If you can create a chain where people are hopping from like video to video to video to video of yours, the originating video um, will do better on YouTube because they can anticipate that that video is going to get more watch time per impression for a certain percentage of users. Session time, total total watch time. So if we were to put this into a um, direct time format, let's say you have a five-minute video. If somebody watches 100% of a five-minute video, fantastic. That video is likely to be recommended to other people similar to that viewer. That particular viewer is probably going to see more of your content getting recommended to them in terms of your new content that you publish and your archive. However, if you send people into, if somebody clicks on your video from, let's say, like a homepage, and they watch that five-minute video, but then you send them to another five-minute video through your end screen, and they click on your end screen, they go and watch that other five-minute video, now you have 10 minutes of session time right? And in 10 minutes of watch time from that one viewer. So in that particular case, that originating video now is not responsible for five minutes of watch time. It's responsible for 10 minutes of watch time, right? And then the more people that that happens to the, the, the better, but the whole idea is that when you are, uh, you know, when you are having your content recommended on YouTube's homepages and suggested videos and all of that, even in YouTube search, what they're looking for is, of course, viewer satisfaction, but they're also looking for watch time per impression. So if you are generating, even on a five-minute video, if, if you're causing that chain of events to happen because people are super engaged in your content and they're watching you know, a few videos together, then in that particular case, that five-minute video can end up getting a lot more watch time through that cascade of videos than uh, like a 10-minute video, right? So because of that, you know, it's really important to make sure that you are thinking of the path that viewers are taking through your content so that you can not only serve them with each individual video, but that you can also, you know, lead them into additional content that they would also likely be interested in. So how you do this is, one, you do not add any interruptive um, things to the end of your video that indicate to the viewer that the video is coming to an end. Because as soon as you do that, they start tuning out, they start, you know, looking for other things to watch. Um, two, 
lead them into that next video. So if your content type supports it, which most do, try to, you know, kind of build up that next video as quick as possible in terms of why it would matter to them and then lead them into that next video by telling them to click, but also make sure that that next video that you're leading them into is relevant to their interests based on the video that they're currently watching. So for example, if you have a food channel, and I'm just going to use this one because it's the most obvious one of the most obvious, I guess I can't say the most, but if you have a food channel and somebody comes in um, to a video on like green smoothies, then in that particular case, you don't necessarily want to recommend like, Hey, here's how you make a great steak, steak dinner. Go into that because the person that's watching that originating video, they're, they're there for smoothies. So because of that, you might want to lead them into a playlist of other smoothie recipes, right? Um, so then that way, if they're in there looking for the green smoothie, they get that. And then by the end of it, they enjoyed that one so much that they watched it to the end. And then you're basically saying, oh, by the way, you know, if you want to see more delicious, you know, smoothie recipes, I've, uh, you know, got a, uh, you know, playlist of smoothies, you know, right here. Um, or, you know, you could sell that a little bit better. But the idea is that you, you know, set it up to where you're looking at the thing that they came in on that they were interested in in the first place. And you think of what would make the most sense for them to watch next on your channel based on what they care about. Hopefully that makes sense. Dr. Finance, welcome to the Nimenati. Welcome aboard. I'm glad that you are uh, glad that you are enjoying the content. Um, let's see here. Say, Nick, I was a top host for two and a half years in the Clubhouse app. It has made some major tech changes that have made me rethink my event strategies. Um, I would like to do lives now on YouTube. Thoughts? Yeah, live streams are great on YouTube. Like, as you can see here, right? Like, um, you know, live streams are great. And like with my audience too, like because I, you know, serve like my, the main audience that I serve is new content creators. So because of that, people get to a point here to where, um, you know, they don't like necessarily need the live streams as much as, you know, they did when they started um, in the videos too. And because of that, you know, they'll, they'll move on and then just kind of check in from time to time and stuff like that. But if you are doing something to where, you know, you can build that audience up over time, then you can end up in a situation like Emily Baker. Um, if you want to go and check out her channel, um, um, she does, she does, uh, like legal pop culture content. Um, but, but her channel is, is primarily live streams and she crushes, um, she gets like hundreds of thousands of viewers, like in her live streams and stuff. So go and look at her as an excellent model in terms of like building that community on, you know, on content to where people will keep coming back, like for a long period of time for it. But yeah, in terms of, you know, live streaming though, it's a great way to get people to know you better. Um, because like when it comes to video content, one of the things that's cool is that, you know, we can, you know, make the videos and share personalities and all of that, but we also edit out a lot of the stuff. We'll take out filler words. We'll take out little, you know, details and stuff that kind of, you know, also make, you know, it kind of removes just little pieces of us as we're doing it. When it comes to live streams, you can't do that. So because of that, there'll be little things that'll pop in your brain, little side conversations that you'll have because of something somebody said in the comments and things like that. People get to know all of the nuance of you. And that can create a really great relationship with the people that are that are interacting with your content, um, especially if you're, you know, doing like live events and, you know, those types of things as well. Um, let's see here. So really quick. Um, let's see. Start. So uh, really quick. Um, okay. Q&A live streams from uh, D-Patients. Q&A uh, via live streams. Any tips? Best software. So, um, Q&A live streams are great. Um, when it comes to the type of Q&A, 
Um, that's going to be dependent on what it is, you know what it is that you do. So a Q and A live stream about like your life. Um, if you have a super highly engaged audience, you know those can do okay. Um, but if you have a live stream where you can do a Q and A where you provide some type of value um, in return, then in that particular case, you know those can also do you know pretty well. Um, in terms of best software, if you are going to be collecting questions, you can use because um, you already have a YouTube account. Um, but I would create a uh, a Google uh, form for the questions. Like basically, if you go down into my video description right now, um, I have a link to a form. I mean, you know what? I'm actually going to test something here really quick. Hold on. So if I put this here, let me see if it puts it in the chat. It's supposed to. I'm just going to see if it uh, does it. Yeah. So if you click on that right there, um, basically, I just put in the chat, it says, have a question, put it in the form. Um, it's free. Um, that particular link is going to take you to a Google Doc. I mean, at least it should. It's where it's supposed to go. <laughs> uh, but that's going to take you to a Google Doc. And then in that Google Doc, that's where people put their questions. So the reason I recommend that you do something similar is because when, um, and you can just add that you know, down in your video description. But the reason that I recommend you do something similar is because when you don't collect questions in an organized way, then people are going to feel like they're not heard and people, you know, get offended by that. Like I've had people come after me on like Twitter. I've had people like DM me, you know, talking about how they felt like ignored in the stream, how they were asking me questions, but I didn't like acknowledge them, things like that. I've gotten emails about it. And the whole thing is, you know, it was because at that point in time, I still get it every now and then, but having that form massively reduces it. Um, but basically, you know, when I was just answering questions, questions out of the, you know, comment section, then people are like, they're answering all these other questions. Why aren't they clicking on mine? Right. So, um, you know, people can, you know, get, um, you know, kind of emotional about that. So because of that, having that form just keeps everything organized. And then as long as you're spreading awareness and letting people know, if you got a question, put it in that form, um, then you're, you have something to kind of fall back on as a defense to where it's like, Hey, you know, I have this form and I answer the questions in the order that they're received. So, um, I'm happy to answer your question. Just get there early next time so you can get your question in the form, right? Um, and then that kind of gives you something to work with there. But if you just go to, um, uh, I think it's forms.google.com, um, then, you know, you can find that. Or if you just, if you just hit, you know, Google Forms um, in Google, then, uh, then you'll be able to find it. And they're really easy to build. It's just like a drag and drop type of thing. Um, let's see here. Astude Mathematica says, um, Nick, what's your take on AV thumbnail testing um, being linked to watch time instead of views? Thanks. Um, I think that's the right way to do it. Um, like, like, I think there's two prongs to this. So the very first thought um, is that when it comes to YouTube pegging it to watch time, that makes the most sense because in that particular case, they're leaning on viewer satisfaction about the entire experience. So... When you are putting together your thumbnail and title and you're deciding the topic of your video and you're expressing that through the thumbnail and title, you're creating, oh, sorry, for the software. That's why I mentioned the Google Forms um, for the software because you said the, the best software um, for the, for the Q&A. That's why I was saying the form because it's free and um, it's web-based. And then with that, it doesn't cost you anything. You can um, basically design the form and then they can go there and put in those questions. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully that answered. Oh, the best software for the live stream. I'm sorry. I thought you meant for collecting the information. 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah, StreamYard, uh, StreamYard is what I use for this. So if you like how I'm able to like pin stuff on screen and, um, and all of that, then, um, uh, yeah, StreamYard is, is, is the goat for, uh, for, for, for live streaming, especially for this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so in terms of AB testing for watch time, so when you are one second, when you are trying to figure out is this viewer satisfied with this experience or not? Then in that particular case, it makes the most sense to go towards watch time because when you are setting up your topic title and thumbnail, you're creating an expectation from the outside of what the viewer is going to get. If you nail that expectation, then they're going to end up watching for a longer period of time because you're giving them what they expected. If you are not nailing that expectation, then they're going to end up bailing on the video because they're not getting what they expected to get, right? So because of that, when they're matching up the watch time to the click-through, what they're doing is they are confirming that viewers are having, that they're getting what they expected, right? That they're not getting click-baited or anything like that, that they're getting what they expected. They also use the audience retention reports, you know, directly um, for this also. But in terms of the, you know, thumbnail version, um, I think prioritizing watch time is fantastic. Now, where that breaks down, in my opinion, is if you're somebody that is strategic about your YouTube channel and you're strategic about the videos that you're putting out and um, some content creators, they target YouTube search. So when it comes to YouTube's A-B testing, that A-B-C testing, we should call it, because they give you three options. But when it comes to YouTube's A-B testing um, and prioritizing the watch time, that's in general. They don't show us like, okay, well, if I'm trying to get search traffic and, and I want that long-term search traffic, how are my videos performing there? They don't show you that um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, that with the A-B test. That's where using TubeBuddy comes in because then with TubeBuddy, they show you like, hey, in search, you know, when people are coming in from search for this particular thumbnail, this is how they responded there, right? So because of that, it just depends on your approach. Like if you're just like, hey, I'm just doing like, I'm just going for like general recommendations, then in that particular case, just using um, uh, YouTube's is fine. But if you're taking a more strategic approach and you are somebody that is trying to get that stable search traffic, then in that particular case, that's where um, TubeBuddy is advantageous. So my recommendation, if you are one of those channels, is use tube or use uh, YouTube's first. Let theirs pick the one that is best um, in terms of you know generates the most uh, watch time per impression. Let them pick that, and then if you're trying to go after YouTube search, then test against that thumbnail in TubeBuddy. And then by doing that, you're you're letting um, you're using the one that YouTube has prioritized based on how people are responding to that one, and then you're taking the strategic approach, and then you're testing it to confirm that that one also does does well in search. Um, also, so that would be the approach there. Um, let's see here. Nomadic introvert, super chat. Thank you for the super chat, man. Says um, it was an honor meeting you. Uh, oh. I called you man. Sorry about that. Um, says, um, it was an honor meeting you at vid summit. Thank you so much for the work you do. Um, you've helped me grow my channel to almost 200,000 subscribers. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you also, you know, for, um, you know, being strong enough to wear a mask. I know in environments like that, um, that, you know, that, you know, uh, that type of thing, um, it, it takes courage, you know, especially the way that people look at things over there in the States, like here in Asia, it's not that big of a deal, but the way people look at that, um, in the States is, you know, different and, you know, the courage that it takes to still, uh, be doing that, you know, I commend you for that, um, because, you know, that's a, uh, you know, like in that environment, 
um, you know, that, you know, that takes strength. So, um, you know, high five and fist bump to you for, you know, for, for being a leader, um, you know, in that regard. Um, and congratulations to you on the channel. And um, it was great to meet you um, as well. And I love the conversation that we had um, at the top of the stairs there. Um, I think we were on the like second floor there. Um, yeah, super, you know, awesome to connect with you there. And, um, you know, our, our, our conversation moved me <laughs> that, you know, our conversations was one of the ones that, um, you know, I, I don't know if you saw my Twitter post um, after, you know, Vid Summit, but basically the whole thing was just talking about how, you know, impacted I was, um, you know, this year by the by the stories, you know, that I, that I got to hear by, um, you know, the, the, you know, by, you know, people that have been, you know, watching the content and, uh, and, and yours was one of those stories. So thank you so much for, uh, for sharing that with me. I appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Her hope, uh, ministries Super is the tracks. next channel. Um, they do, uh, feminine, uh, branding for our website, um, that I want to oh, wait. The feminine branding from our website that I want for our thumbnails um, aren't getting views like when I switch them over to bold and dark ones. Do I grow first with bold ones and switch to feminine later or um, feminine branding from our website? Okay, so first off, um, the very first thing I want to um, just bring to your um, attention. Yeah, Roberto says VidSummit was great. It absolutely, absolutely was. Um, yeah, this, this year, man, um, I don't know if you... Uh, were like in a similar boat, Roberto, but this year it was like, uh, like it, like it felt deeper this year for some reason. Like, um, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely a, a different experience in a good way, um, than, than, uh, than it has been in the past. Like it's always, you know, a moving thing, um, in addition to all the awesome things about it. But this year it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a doozy. But, um, um, so the first thing I want to mention to you, Her Hope Ministries, is that you should not be prioritizing the effectiveness of your thumbnails. Um, like you should not compromise that for the sake of branding. Okay. So hey, popcorn. So so what you want to um, make sure that you're that you're working on first is how do we get people to identify this content about something they care about, and how do we get them to click on it? Focus on that over everything else. And then once you get through that, then that's where you're like, okay, um, now I'm going to start, you know, testing colors and, you know, things like that um, so that you can, uh, you know, kind of work through it that way. Because when you prioritize the branding over the effectiveness, you're essentially sacrificing the performance of the video for people that are familiar with your website being able to possibly identify your content on YouTube, right? So because of that, focus all of your efforts on like, okay, let's pretend that our website doesn't even exist when it comes to our thumbnails. And let's try to make our thumbnails in a way that's going to help the people that we're trying to reach on the platform identify that this content about something that they care about. Focus on that first. And then once you figure that out, then start bringing in like little branding elements. Or if you want to add like a logo or if you want to stylistically brand it, that's fine. But first figure out what works for the audience that you're trying to reach on the uh, on the platform. And I'm actually going to go look at your, uh, well, let me go find it really quick. Here, I'll just pull it up over here. I'll manually do it. I'm, I'm actually going to look really quick too because I just want to make sure that uh, that I fully understood Hope Ministries. Oh, 
Okay. So I see what you're doing. Okay. So, um, yeah. So in your particular case, one thing that I would definitely do is I wouldn't necessarily look at it yet in terms of like dark and light. Um, I would look at it as, you know, effectiveness. Like I would not put the side panel on there yet. Um, worry about that stuff later. Um, right now I would just focus on like what imagery, um, what topics, and what imagery is helping grab people's attention and pull them into this content. Once you find that one thing consistently works for you, that's where you're like, okay, now that we know that people respond to this, now let's add our branding to it and see if that makes a difference or not. And another thing too that I wanna bring to your attention as well, and, and I'm just gonna show this to everybody. Is it okay if I if I pull this up on screen uh, really quick? Because this is gonna be something that helps everybody um, if, if you're okay with it. If not, I'm, I'm, uh, that's fine too. Um, I just want to ask your permission real quick before I pull it up because, because there's just some, there's a couple things on here. I just want to bring. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you. So, um, present share screen for hope ministries and share. And then here, let's add to stage. Booyah. Okay. So um, right here, if we look at your at your thumbnails, another thing I want to bring to your attention, because you know, the branding thing, you know, is uh, you know, is is something that you mentioned. So, you know, I'm glad that you're mindful of the of the branding side. But one thing that I want to uh, bring to your attention here is even when it comes to uh, even when it comes to your branding here, let me uh, turn this down here. There we go. Even when it comes to your branding, um, when you when you look at this, um, I'm guessing this is like your logo from your website or, you know, something like that based on, you know, the information that you that you mentioned. But when it comes to your branding elements, um, you want to make sure that you're using something that's more easily to identify. So like if you are or once you get to that point where you are like working more on the branding side of things, like if you look here, like at the size that this is on my screen, you can't see any of the detail of what's written inside of here. So when you're making this, right, and it's on your, you know, and it's on your, you know, computer and it's big, then it's like, oh yeah, that clearly says, um, I'm, yeah, it looks like it, maybe it's the same thing as your name up here. So it's like, yeah, it says that, you know, clearly, and then the little, you know, words around it and all that, really easy, you know, when it's on a on a big screen. But when it's small like this, you can't really you can't really tell. So because of that, one thing you might want to consider from a branding perspective is instead of doing like a side panel like this that that kind of detracts or, or, or subtracts from from the thumbnail, maybe once you get to the branding stage, um, maybe just focus on like the leaf, right? And just have like a little leaf like right down here or something like that. So it's not intrusive, but it's just a way to where if somebody does run across your content in YouTube search or something like that, that it helps them, uh, you know, identify that it's your content for the people that really love your stuff. But right now, and I know that you're just getting started in the ideas to train people up on what to look for to know that it's yours. But right now, I would just focus on, you know, what's the most effective because what you don't want to happen is you don't want this stuff to be pulling attention away from the stuff that's going to actually pull people into the content itself, right? So right now, um, just focus on that and then um, lose all of these side panels and all of those things and just focus on like, okay, how can, I, how can we grab people's attention and pull them into this? Um, and another thing too, you might be using this already, but like mid journey um, is gonna be great for your type of content 
um, if you're not using it already, um, th that'll be fantastic for what it is that you're making to make really like intense imagery that might, you know, grab the attention of the people that you're trying to reach. Um, and then once you get all of that sorted and you can consistently get people clicking on it, then, um, then that's where you're, that's where you want to bring in branding and try to keep it as simple as you possibly can and try to keep it consistent because, you know, part of the idea of using any type of branding elements in your thumbnail is to help people identify that it's yours. But when you're changing up all of this, all the panels in the background and things like that, then it kind of takes away from that idea. So because of that, like I was mentioning before, I mean, do whatever you like, but, but the thing that I would recommend is, you know, maybe picking the leaf or something like that. And then just having like a little thing kind of come in, you know, maybe kind of like that down here in the bottom left-hand corner. And the reason I'm saying the bottom left-hand corner is because this side is covered with the timestamp. Um, but down here in the bottom left, it gives the eye, when somebody sees this, it gives the eye time to see like the the things in the thumbnail, and then it can end up falling to this before it ends up coming back over to here again. Um, that's that's the idea. But um, but when you are when you decide to put something in here, um, I would just put something subtle down here in like the bottom left, um, and just put like your leaf in there and then have it match this same color here. So then you have the color that's branded and then you have like your little leaf down there to help them identify that it's yours and then roll with that. But even with that, just be super careful when it comes to the branding stuff, because um, with what you're doing here, you know, you're you're trying to, you know, uh, you know, reach people and, you know, like impact them in like very deep ways. So because of that, the impact that you're going to make and I, I know that you're probably like, hey, Nick, this isn't what I signed up for, man. <laughs> but but the, but with the impact that you're trying to make, people clicking on your thumbnails or, or, you know, like people seeing your thumbnails and then reading your titles and clicking through, that is going to be way more important than somebody recognizing your branding, right? Because the impact that you're going to be able to make on the individuals, you know, interacting with the content, um, that is going to, you know, that's going to get you a lot farther than, you know, having, having, you know, your branding on the thumbnail, because like one way to look at that is like when you're putting that branding in there, like it, it makes it, you know, about you, which it's advantageous because it's about you and it helps people identify. That's why I put myself in, you know, in my thumbnails, at least at the time of publish. Um, but basically the idea though, is, um, to make sure that you're just prioritizing that thing that's going to get people into the content, right? Because, you know, with what you're doing, um, you know, that that's, that's the most important. Um, let's see here. So, uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. so next up, we've got a blue harvest toy. So I just feel like I'm doing something wrong. Here's the thing. Like when, when you feel like you're doing something wrong, like, um, um, I think it was actually yours. Yeah. I tried to look at your channel earlier, but, uh, but you weren't in here. Um, I had some stuff that I was gonna, that I was actually going to mention, but I, yeah, I was going to try to look at your, uh, I, I called it out to see if you were in here, but I think you went away for a little bit. Um, but yeah, so like when it comes to uh, like doing something wrong, like um, just keep in mind that when you start YouTube, you know, when you look and you compare yourself to all the other creators that are, you know, getting a lot of views and that are getting presented to you as a viewer, keep in mind, that's all content that is competitive for the platform. That's why it's getting recommended to you. Um, so when you feel like you're doing something wrong, 
it usually comes down to like that you have more that you need to learn in terms of like skill development and things like that. And even little nuanced things, right? Like if you've never done something like this before, even the little details, like I was just talking about, like on the branding side there, right? Like, like logically, yeah, I want to brand my stuff. I want people to be able to identify my stuff and things like that. But then when you get into like the nuance of it, right? One of the things that you learn along the way is like, okay, well, it is more important for people to click than it is for me to have, you know, my logos on stuff, right? Um, just like little things like that are things that you learn along the way. So, you know, when you feel like you're doing something wrong, it might not necessarily be that you're doing something wrong. It could just be that you have to keep, you know, working on your skill sets. And you said you tried everything, but if I looked at your channel right now, from, you know, experienced eyes, um, I would, I would bet you that, uh, that, you know, that, that there's probably still a lot that you haven't, uh, you know, that you haven't tried. Um, and, and that's just the nature of, you know, nature of YouTube. I've been doing this for nine years and I haven't tried everything, right? Like, you know, there's like, there's still a lot of, you know, experiments to do, but, um, just for, just for the, just for the sake of it though, I am going to pull your channel up here really quick because I did try to look at it earlier and I'm just going to, uh, just do a quick look at it here. So, um, yeah, like right out of the gate here, uh, mastering time and space, Dr. Who theme decks and magic, the gathering. So the thing that you're prioritizing in your thumbnail is just a big, big word that says magic. And then the next thing that draws my eye is a block of text that says timey wimey. And then another one that says unboxing the thing that will help the viewer identify that this is something that they're going to care about, which is your doctor who thing that that is like the smallest thing in the thumbnail. And you also have two characters in here that are also super small in the thumbnail. So what I mean in terms of, you know, doing, you know, um, not doing something wrong. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's just that there's more to, there's more to do, right? There's more, there's more to learn. So what I recommend that you do watch videos on graphic design, watch videos on color theory, watch videos on um, the basics of photography, because you're going to learn about framing and you're going to learn about like balance in an image. You'll learn some of that in the graphic design stuff too, but like, you know, learn that um, so that you can, you know, so you can do better from the outside, right? In terms of, of how you're packaging stuff up. Also, for like your long form videos, don't put hashtags in your titles um, either. That's not going to help you in any way. Um, so don't, you know, don't do that either. Um, but those types of things are things that, you know, that, that you have to learn along the way. And unfortunately, like the learning process is something that, you know, people like myself and Roberto Blake, who's also hanging out here in the chat today and other people that make content like this, like, you know, we try to cut down that learning curve as fast as we possibly can for you guys. Um, uh, but, you know, like, you know, you going and like learning, you know, the stuff in terms of the skills, um, that's, that's, you know, that's a whole other thing that, um, you know, that is in addition to learning the best practices of YouTube, like you gotta, you gotta, you have to learn how to do the thing, right? The reference that we always give is that, you know, like when you, when you, when you first pick up a guitar, you can't expect to go stand on a stage with like the best guitarists and just like shred at like some rock concert, right? Instead, you have to learn how to get your fingers to move right. You have to learn, you know, where on the fret that you, you know, are, are, are pressing the strings. You have to learn, you know, what the different notes are. You have to learn how to get this hand working while you're having this hand working. You have to learn what type of guitar you want to play. You got to figure out what type of music you want to play. Um, you have to figure out what the, what the knobs are. If you're on an electric guitar, you have to learn how to tune the thing. Um, you have to learn, you know, all of these different things about it. And even when you know those things, 
And this is where the skill development comes in. Even when you know those things, somebody can know how to play a guitar, but they're still not going to be on a stage shredding against people that are, you know, that are professionals, right? You have to keep working on it and keep building up the skill sets in order to, you know, get yourself to that, to that level where you can play alongside them. YouTube is the same exact way. You're competing with people that, you know, for, for everybody here that's starting a channel, you're competing with people that have been on the platform for, you know, year for five years, for 10 years, in some cases, in some cases, 15 years, depending on the niche that you're getting into, like, you know, you're competing with people that have been doing this professionally for a long time. And because of that, um, sometimes you can break right through. Um, other times, you know, you can sit there and have to, you know, develop a lot of skills in order to, in order to hit that mark. But as long as you keep working on those skills and, you know, like when it comes to the knowledge side, like, you know, really that all comes down to like the nuance of learning how to create a good experience for people. And then you learn the strategies in terms of content and stuff. But when it comes to like the real thing that, you know, moves the needle for you in terms of getting you past that threshold of like, man, why isn't this working? The thing that gets you past that threshold is the skill development, right? Learning how to move your fingers, learning how to play that guitar, um, essentially. And then through practice, publishing content in our world, right? Through the practice, that's where, uh, that's where you start learning from how people are responding to your content so that you can, you know, modify things from there to make things better. And that helps you become a better player, so to speak. Right. So that's the, that's the idea. Um, let's see here. Bite size geek says, um, I create LF content um, and chop it up for shorts, changing ratio to fit phones. Is there a better way to fill their screens? rather than shrinking them. Um, so yeah, so um, I know Premiere, um, they have an option to where uh, you can reframe the video um, and then it will basically um, basically just kind of recuts everything um, in, in that way. Um, I know that Opus Clip, they do it as well to where it's similar, um, you know, to that. Um, but it's, it's like, you can't just do it for like a long form piece of content. I think they cap out at like three minutes or something like that. Um, but you know, that is one option as well. Um, and, uh, when it comes to that ratio, another thing that you can do, like if you are stuck and you're like, you know what, this isn't going to work as a piece of vertical content to make it look better. So it's not just a black bar on the top and bottom is you can lay the video underneath it and then make it bigger and then just blur it. And then that way, um, the motion and everything stays the same so that it's not really distracting or weird. Um, but the focus is in on that square in the middle, but it makes it feel like the, the, the video is actually filling up the whole screen. Jason, that artists Super chat. says, what do you think about doing YouTube shorts to a thousand subs for monetization then switching to long form content? Um, you're still going to need the watch time requirements, um, um, for that. So it's fine. Like you can totally do that, but you just need to make sure that you're getting the, the, the long form, uh, uh, watch time. So, I mean, technically you could get monetized just through shorts themselves. And then that will also transfer over to long form. But the idea is if you're, if your strategy is shorts to a thousand subs and then switching to long form content, you might as well just do both anyway. So just go ahead and just do your shorts so that you can, you know, be getting, you know, subscribers um, from that and then also do long form so you can be getting watch time from that. So then you don't have to do one and then switch and then do the other. So you can do both of them at the same time so that that will get you there faster. Good question, though. Um, let's see here. 
Her square dating pool. Super Thank you, Super Chat. Says, can I get an expert to look at my analytics? Many views each video started in July. Subs at 700. Professional help. Absolutely. Um, there are uh, creators that offer that service. Roberto, Roberto Blake offers that service one-on-one. Um, -on -one. I'm not currently taking on clients at the moment. Um, that Nate Black, um, formerly of Channel Makers, um, he offers that service as well. Um, I think Daniel Batal, I believe he still offers that service um, also. But yeah, um, that, that service is definitely out there. Um, but I would hit up uh, Roberto, Nate, or uh, Daniel um, for that right now. Um, something to analyze. Super says my channel's in Spanish about sports that I create. Um, about sports, I create videos, but no likes or subs apart from a few on some vids. What's wrong with my thumbnail audio editing? So the very first place to start when you're not getting results is trying to figure out like what's happening. So step number one is... Go in your analytics and see if you're getting impressions. If you're getting impressions, that means an impression on YouTube is YouTube is showing your content to somebody on the platform. If your thumbnail shows up on YouTube for more than a second, that counts as an impression. So if you see that you're getting impressions, but you're not getting people like into the video, you're not getting any views, then that means you have to work on your packaging, okay, in terms of your topic title and thumbnail. Now, if you're getting impressions and then you do have views, that means that people are clicking through. So then you have to go and look and see, okay, um, like, at, like how much are people clicking through? Where are they clicking through from? So then you go into your YouTube analytics and you see that they are coming in from search or they're coming in from homepages or suggested videos or a mix of all of the above. Um, and then that gives you some insight on where you're actually getting traffic from. Um, and then from there, you go and you look to in your audience retention reports and you see, okay, how are people actually responding to the video content? So YouTube's showing my content to people through, I see that through impressions. I'm getting views, which means people are clicking on it. Plus I can see my click-through rate in terms of, you know, how, uh, you know, how many uh, people are clicking through based on the impressions I'm getting. Um, so the next step in that process is my audience retention. So if you look in your audience retention and you see that it just goes down when people come into your videos, then that means that people are not responding well to your videos, which means that you need to work on that beginning part of your video where your video first starts. Um, you can experiment with different ways that you start the video. You can experiment with having yourself on camera or off camera. You can experiment with having B-roll while music's playing. You can experiment with having a voiceover while, uh, while uh, B-roll is playing. You can experiment with graphics. Like there's a ton of different things you can do, but the goal is like, okay, let me get, see if I can get people like, 30 seconds into this video, right? And then from there, you rinse and repeat that process over and over again until you have a consistent, you know, amount of watch time on the video itself. And you can replicate that with every video that you publish and you keep trying to raise that over time. Um, if you do those things and you keep using that information that YouTube gives us about our videos to fine tune and make better videos, then, then you're going to end up doing better. Um, but, you know, when you are publishing, and it's like, you know, what's wrong? Is it my thumbnails? Is it my audio? It's my editing. It could be all of those things. But using your analytics, you're going to be able to see exactly what it is that you need to work on. So again, if you have impressions, YouTube showing your content, you just have to learn how to get them to click. Um, if you're getting people to click, but your videos still aren't doing well, it means that you need to get people to click at a higher rate and you need to get people to watch your videos for a longer period of time. Um, so those are the things that you got to work on. And then Demon Dro. What's up, my dude? Hope you're doing awesome. Says, Nick, 400,000. I literally hit 300 two weeks ago. Thank you for your help. High five and fist bump to you. Nice work on 400K. Looking forward to seeing you hit 500 in a couple weeks. <laughs> Love it. I remember when Ty, uh, 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 she was uh, she was also, you know, 
having similar results like that. And uh, it was great too seeing her coming in like, you know, every week, like, Hey, another, you know, another, you know, 20,000, another 50,000 here. Uh, yeah. So love that you're on that trajectory. Absolutely love it. Um, let's see here. Okay. So we answered this one already. Dr. Finance. Um, thank you for the super chat there. Um, should I restart my channel? Super chat. So as long as you are still making the content, like as long as the videos that are on your channel now would still be um, of interest to the people that are going to be consuming the content that you're going to be publishing in the future based on what it is that they are interested in, then you can keep it all on the same channel. But if you're going to do something completely different, then that's where you'd want to consider changing channels. Super chat. And hanging with Hillbilly says, I have a music video reaction channel. I want to react to current events, comedy, etc. Should I have a separate channel or will scheduled uploads or playlists suffice for subscriber retention? So if you are, if you are uh, reacting to current events, comedy, etc., one thing just to think about there is that people that like reaction videos, some of those people like comedy reaction videos. Some people like current event reaction videos. Some people like pop culture reaction videos and so on. So I would get clear on, on the specific types of reaction videos that you're going to do and the type of people that you're going to be trying to reach with your content and make sure that it aligns. Because, for example, let's say you do current events and then you end up talking about political things. That audience isn't necessarily going to resonate or isn't going to necessarily be the same as the comedy um, reaction audience. So the whole idea when it comes to YouTube is you want to think about if somebody watches the video that I'm, that I published last week, this video that I'm publishing this week, is it going to be like, what's the probability of it being of a very high interest to those people? And you want to publish the stuff that's going to be of high probability of them watching that too. Um, so because of that, I would try to find, you know, uh, a little bit of clarity there on, on, on exactly who it is that you're trying to reach so that you can make sure that you're consistently hitting them with reaction videos um, that they are likely to respond to the most. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so like if the whole channel right now is music video reactions, then in that particular case, again, a different group of people than people that are, you know, wanting to like see your thoughts on like, you know, politics and stuff. Um, yeah, if you are going to do different things like that, then in that particular case, um, for the, for the other part of your question saying, should I have a separate channel? Yeah, I would, I would separate it based on audience, right? Always think of the audience first. Who is it I'm trying to reach with this? And will, will each of these videos that I'm planning on putting out be a perfect fit for that type of viewer? If the answer is yes, publish it on that same channel. If the answer is no, then that's where you'd put it on a different channel. All right, and I think, hold on really quick. And uh, another super one here for Demon Dro. Thank you for the super chat. Says, um, is there a difference between uploading in 4K and 1080? I've seen views spike in 4K, but sometimes I do 1080 so I could work faster. What do you think about that? So when you are publishing in 4K, you are giving yourself just one more opportunity. I, I'm, I'm a, I think it's scale, and I also think about like individual, you know, like that that each person and their experience adds up into a much bigger pie over time, right? So when you're publishing in 4K, your content is even accessible for the people that are snobs about 4K. 
Um, for the people that watch t- watch YouTube videos on their phone and for the people that are like, or not their phone, but on their TVs and that are like, hey, I'm only watching 4K stuff because I've got this great 4K TV for those types of people, then you can still reach those people as well. Um, so because of that, um, you know, uh, in that particular case, I would upload 4K just for the sake of it being available there. Um, in terms of does 4K or 1080p impact your video performance? No. If somebody responds, if, if, a, if people respond to your video at a high rate and it's 1080p, and all of the other videos on your channel are 4K, but that particular video gets a much higher response just based on how you put it all together, then that video is going to dominate. Um, If the 4K videos are the ones that get the higher response, those are gonna be the ones that dominate. So the actual resolution isn't as big of a deal, but if you wanna make your content accessible for as many people as humanly possible, then in that particular case, rolling with 4K would be the move. And... Hold on, I think. Is that the same question? Did you do two? You did. You accidentally sent two. So thank you for the double. Or it's just or it's just showing that way on my end. Uh, Narcissist Sex says, I'm getting frustrated. Need watch time. My channel's about narcissist abuse. Any quick ideas? Um, drive people into playlists. Make sure that you're thinking about... Um, drive people into playlists. Make sure your channel page is set up so that if people are interacting with your content, they can easily find more of what it is that they want um, on your channel page. Um, make sure that you're pinning comments, leading people into playlists. Make sure that you have links in your video descriptions of other relevant um, content that people would be likely to enjoy that are watching you know, that particular video. Um, and of course, make sure that you're in your audience retention reports paying attention to how people are responding to your videos second by second. So just in case you don't know, or anybody else here doesn't know, your audience retention reports are a second by second graph of how people respond to your content um, on average. So if you are looking at your audience retention reports for every video, you're going to start noticing, hey, when I do these things, people leave. When I do these things, people stay. And the whole idea is to learn to do the things, more things that cause people to stay, less things that cause people to, to leave. There's some best practice stuff there, but there's also tons of nuance based on the content type and based on the audience that's consuming that content as well. Um, let's super see here. Chat. So G Force for Life. Um, thank you for the super chat. Super says, once you have a decent fan base, is it okay to start adding different content, um, like different games? Yeah, when it comes to gaming, totally. Um, so so the 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 ultimate goal is that when you're publishing videos to YouTube that you hit a threshold to where people are coming to your content because they like you, right? Um, Keep in mind that that happens anyway because, you know, for every video about pretty much any topic, you have a bunch of different people talking about it. You have a bunch of different people playing the game and so on, but people choose to watch yours along with the other ones for a reason, right? It's because of you. So because of that, just keep that in mind. But when it comes to um, broadening out to more games, Um, What you can do is start using your community posts now, start using your community feed and start asking people like, hey, what other games do you play? And give them some options based on games that you want to play. So like, for example, be like, hey, um, you know, do you like, let's say you currently do um, like first person shooters, right? Then in that case, be like, you know, hey, um, you know, do you also play, you know, this game, this game and this game that are similar? Or do you also play racing games? Or do you also play like battle royale type games? Like, uh, you know, start asking a bunch of questions over, you know, the next few weeks in your community feed to start getting a really good idea of the other games that, that you're the people that are interacting with your content play. And then when you decide to start going out and, and design those questions, 
Don't just be random. Design those questions based on games that you want to play. And then based on the games that people are playing the most, then start, you know, then start uh, walking into, uh, then start making videos on the ones that people are, are, are playing the most. Good question. Um, let's see here. Dr. Finance says, my apologies as I'm new to this. No worries. Um, and forgot to put the question in. Um, what do you think could be the benefits of hosting an event on YouTube once a week versus Clubhouse? Discovery. Discovery. Like YouTube has 2.7 billion users. 246 million of those um, are in the U.S. alone. That doesn't include all the other English-speaking countries. That doesn't include YouTube giving us the opportunity now to upload translated audio into our videos. YouTube is also, they just announced um, a couple of weeks ago that they're rolling out the opportunity for us during our upload process to translate our audio into multiple languages. Um, we can already do that with our metadata um, as well in the settings for each individual video, but discovery on YouTube. So like on Clubhouse, you know, you're sitting there and you're going through your feed and you have stuff that, you know, they kind of recommend. You have to go through a lot, right, of stuff in order to get to anything. With YouTube, their recommendation system is so on point that as long as you're making content about a certain thing and then you optimize that content, you know, for that particular thing, um, that, that YouTube is really good at showing it to the right people. So because of that, um, the huge advantage on YouTube is that specifically. Um, another thing is when you are, uh, when you're doing the event on YouTube, um, if you do it live, live streams also carry additional weight on YouTube as well. While the event is live, um, then it, it can get more promotion as well because YouTube understands that if something is live, that the, uh, the live experience is, you know, important. So because of that, they prioritize, you know, live, um, content. So, uh, because of that, Huge advantage there as well. And for your subscribers, like if you go to your YouTube homepage right now and you look over on the left-hand side of your screen for anything that you're subscribed to, they they show you who's live right now, right? So then you can also pull people in um, that way as well. You also have your community feed here on YouTube, which I don't believe they have on Clubhouse unless they've changed some things. But like your community feed on YouTube, you can use that to hype up the event. You can use YouTube Shorts to get yourself in front of new viewers um, that might not have ever even clicked on your content or never even known about your channel and let them know, hey, we got this event coming up, blah, blah, blah. Click on this uh, you know, related video here to learn more about it. Um, and then they can go there to learn more about it. So you can hype everything up and you can get discovered through the short shelf. Um, and then you also have their normal recommendation system as well for the, you know, for the regular long form content and for the live experience. Um, in addition to that, if you wanted to, depending on the specific type of events that you're doing, um, you could also um, mark that, put them into a playlist, mark that playlist as a podcast. And then for the replay, people could even experience that in audio and video form um, over on YouTube music as well. So in terms of, you know, discovery, Clubhouse has the app. They might have a website now, I'm not sure, but they have the app. YouTube, they have all of the different stuff, you know, within uh, their entire system that I just went through. Plus, they have the YouTube Music app. That's a standalone app. They have YouTube. That's the standalone um, app as well. Um, and within the standalone app on YouTube, you also have, you know, the the path to all of those different options that I just mentioned as well. So like, it's not even remotely close in terms of, uh, like clubhouse or YouTube. Like it's like, like clubhouse would be here and YouTube would be like 
the moon, <laughs> right? Like Clubhouse is here like this far off the desk and then YouTube is the moon in terms of, uh, you know, the discovery opportunities um, in comparison. Um, let's see here. Lopez Explora, thank you for the super chat. chat. Super appreciate it. Um, auto repair tips. Super chat. Thanks for the super chat. Says I've reached 30,000 subscribers thanks to your help, but I've been thinking about changing my channel name. What are your thoughts? I think auto repair tips is pretty solid um, in terms of, you know, just being clear of what it is that you are, you know, offering. Um, but when it comes to that, that only really matters um, if you're like active in like communities and stuff like that around YouTube. Um, at the end of the day, people are going to be finding your content through recommendations or through search or through the short shelf anyway. Um, so because of that, the name isn't super important. The only down side of your name is that there's probably a lot of channels with the same name um, where if you do come up with something unique like auto repair tips by your name or by your first name or something like that you know like if it was mine auto repair tips by nick or nick's auto repair tips or something like that then it separates you a little bit from all of the other mess of channels when people are actually looking for you know for yours steve long music Hope you are doing great. Thanks for the super chat. Says I have a very small music channel. I want to grow on the channel. I have a series of videos on rock music history ready, but some are 30 to 50 minutes long. Should I split them into two parts? Try it. Experiment. Like if you can keep people watching for 30 minutes, um, 30 to 50 minutes on YouTube, those videos can do extremely well. Um, so if you can, if you can, um, you know, do that and you can, you know, learn to, you know, do that consistently then long videos like that can crush on YouTube. But one thing that you can do is um, uh, you can take out little sections of it, like, you know, little parts of it that are under a minute that you think would be a good fit for, uh, you know, a YouTube short. And you can use that as kind of like a promotional thing to where it's like that. And you have the uh, relative uh, or the uh, related video that you, you know, recommend um, uh, to where people can click through that. Keep in mind that for that to really pay off, you need like a lot of views. Like it really needs to happen at scale. But every viewer that comes over matters, right? So because of that, you can give people some of the content in the short shelf um, and then try to get them over to long form that way or just have some of the content that you put in the short shelf um, for the clips and you deliver it to people that way and people can enjoy it there. And then you have the the long 30 to 50 minute clips for the people that are like really wanting the, the, the deep dive side of things. Okay, on that note, uh, my brother uh, D and um, Daniel Battelle are also... Um, they're live streaming, looking at channels right now. So for those of you that are wanting some feedback on your channels, you're just wanting some like insights into, you know, what it is that you are, you know, doing with your channel. They have a super fun format. It's like a game show. Really awesome. I recommend that you check it out. As soon as I hit the end, this button, or as soon as I hit the end stream button here, it's going to default everybody over there. So what you, uh, uh, so what you want to, uh, uh, do is just hang tight. Um, and then as soon as I hit this button, it's going to send you directly over there and then you can participate over there. Super fun. You're going to, you're going to absolutely love it. And even if they don't look at your channel, you're going to learn a lot by just paying attention to what it is that they're advising other channels on. So, um, make sure that you check that out and, um, um, everybody, Hey, my pleasure, Dr. Finance, um, says, um, I have a reputation for bringing some of the biggest names as my guests to the event. How can I have multiple guests live on YouTube like Clubhouse every week? So this this tool that I'm using right now to live stream, um, it's called StreamYard. Um, with StreamYard, um, basically you can have up to, I think it's 12 guests or it's either 12 or 18. I think it's 12 guests, um, but you, you can send the link out and then they can just come in and join. Um, it's, it's super easy, but if you, if you go to StreamYard.com, um, then you can find out more about that. Um, 
if you want to hook me up in case you end up purchasing it because they have a free plan and they have a paid plan. Paid plan lets you stream at a higher resolution, which is what you'll want. But if you are going to end up purchasing it and you want to you know, hook me up, then you can use the affiliate link in the description. But if not, I'm totally cool with that, whatever. But it's just a great piece of software. Um, and it's I've been using StreamYard for a really, really long time. And during during the pandemic, um, we actually had like big group chats on here and everything too. Um, it's great for that type of thing. Um, but it's called StreamYard um, and you can find it at StreamYard.com. Um, so again, thank you everybody so much for hanging out. Um, hope that you got some value from this. And one thing that I wanna remind you of if you are, you know, new to, you know, all of this, stuff is, you know, when, when it comes to YouTube, just keep in mind, you know, it's like anything else that you do in your life. Like, you know, it comes with a learning curve. There's things that you got to learn how to do. You got to learn how the platform works. You got to learn, you know, how to do all of the stuff. So wherever it is that you're at in the journey right now, just look at it. Like, you know, like you're, you're in that learning curve. Like we're all always in that learning curve, but just embrace the idea that like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do all these things. And the more that I learn how to do, then the better I'm going to be able to do. So, you know, because of that, just embrace the learning curve and don't get discouraged. Just look at it like, hey, if I'm struggling right now, it just means that I have more to learn. I have, you know, more skills to develop so that I can compete, you know, at a, at a higher, you know, at a higher rate here um, on the platform. So everybody have an awesome rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for hanging out. Um, and I will see you next time. I'm still live over on TikTok. So if anybody wants to go over there, um, you know, I'll be answering just a few more questions. If you have any questions about like my setup, I forgot to do the unboxing for the TubeBuddy thing here, but it's okay. Um, I'll just do that, you know, privately or maybe here on TikTok here in a minute. But um, thank you so much for hanging out. Have a great weekend and, um, and I'll see you next time.